This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WBC. Tri-State, everybody listening on the 77 WABC app, simulcast on Eastern Long Island. News Talk 107.1 FM also live streamed on your smart TVs and your computers as well at WABCradio.tv. And, of course, it is uh, the Monday morning after the Super Bowl. And, uh, Sid Rosenberg, I don't know how you feel. But right now, I can tell you this: my company didn't leave until almost midnight. <laughs> and I am yeah. suffering this morning. I got a headache. Yeah, I got heartburn. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I mean, we really need this uh, post Super Bowl Monday to be a holiday, which I've been calling for for a long time, and uh, this is the reason why. No, this you're right, right, bro. You're right. Uh, all the parties ended late because this was not a 55 to 10 game. This was not Joe Montana and the Niners against Justin. the Broncos. This came down to the very final possession. So um, he can't hear me. So we time to restart his yeah, deal. And, uh, but to Bernie's point, this game came right down to the end of the game. And uh, if you did miss it, the Rams got a late touchdown, a 15-play drive at the very end of the game. I mean, the Bengals did get the football back with about 80 seconds and a couple of timeouts. But that Ram defense, specifically the defensive line led by Aaron Donald, beat the living daylights out of Joe Burrow much of the – all of the second half, really – and um, I believe the record for most sacks in a Super Bowl before was the Steelers. I think they sacked Roger Storback seven times in Super Bowl ten, and the Rams went past that last night. So uh, the Rams, if you missed it, they jumped out to an early lead. Uh, how about our old friend here in New York, Odell Beckham Jr., the former Giant wide receiver, catching a touchdown to start the scoring? How about that, Beckham? A touchdown to start the scoring. The Rams would score again, go up 13-3. to They did miss the extra point. But early there in the second quarter, it was 13-3 to Rams. And it looked like they were going to just win this game easily. And then here come the Bengals. The Bengals go on to score 17 unanswered points. And they take a 20-13 to lead. And they've got the better of the play. And then at the end of the game, the Rams would outscore the Bengals 10 nothing, including the game-winning touchdown drive and win it by a final score of 23-20. to But again, to Bernie's point, nobody left because the game literally came down to the final seconds. 
when Aaron Donald got to Joe Burrow once again. So to your point, Bernie, it was just such a great game. Forget about the halftime stuff. Such a great game that no one could leave because until Donald sacked Burrow with just a couple of seconds to go, either team could have won that football game. I'll give you that. It was competitive. It was competitive. If, of course, you didn't have people talking all night, you know, you're sitting there trying to watch the game. But it was uh, at least competitive, even if you didn't care who won. Because it's bottom line, I mean, Rams, Bengals, I know we were rooting for middle America over Hollywood. Didn't work out that way. But still, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing not to hate really about the L.A. Rams. Except maybe Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but, he got he got the touchdown, but then he got hurt. But you yeah. know, I didn't, I didn't have a party last night. I tell you what. In fact, uh, Danielle and I took Ava to Kennedy Airport at about five o'clock yesterday afternoon. She's gone off to London for thirteen days, and um, we put her on the plane about five thirty. And we're driving back to the Upper West Side from Kennedy Airport, and I have an hour. I have an hour to get back because I don't want to miss the national anthem. I don't want to miss God Bless America, all that stuff before the game. I literally walked into my apartment two minutes, two minutes before the start of all that. So I missed nothing and got able to the airport on time. And uh, right now, you and I are talking football in America, and she's having breakfast in the United Kingdom. She's talking rugby. With yeah, the... exactly. Right. Hey, they did, a, they did a pretty damn good job uh, uh, pregame, you know, with the uh, national anthem and all that. It was uh... Yeah, the two ladies were good, the ladies who sang the national anthem. I don't know the name. Mickey Guyton sang the national anthem. I forget the name of the lady who sang America the Beautiful, but I think you're right, Burn. The flyovers, they did a good job with that. They did. Now, uh, the halftime show, uh, although most people boycotted it, I watched it. So and, did I. Uh, you know, it was, is that, I'm, I'm thinking, that's all you got? It was just, it was so boring, so terrible. I mean, you had, of course, uh, Eminem virtue signaling his blackness by taking a knee. The only one, by the way, that did that. Uh, however, and he got the loudest applause, I might add. I mean, he was. For, for for whatever entertainment came out of it, he was the best. But it was still a disgusting display to watch that uh, cop-hating mutt, uh, Snoop Dogg, who's, who just recently wrote about, you know, don't shoot each other, go out there and shoot a cop. Uh, to watch him on stage, it was uh, it was actually very, very nauseating. However, it was just, essentially it was boring. And Mary J. Blige, come on, Grandma, put your pants on. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> It, you, wait, you ain't Halle Berry, bro. A, a, a sister, a sweetheart, grandma, whatever the hell you want to go. You are not Halle Berry. You're not J-Lo. She's also guilty in the past of saying things about the cops. Every one of those folks on stage last night has been anti-police. She's not any different. Uh, here's where the listeners are going to be angry with me. I like the music at halftime last night. Now, I don't like rap music. I really don't. I just like some of the classics, and they happen to sing between Dre, Snoop, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige, that percolating song. Those are classics, so I like the music. But, but, Eminem kneeled, which was bad enough. And then if you really listen carefully, at the very end, Dr. Dre took a shot at the cops. And oh, uh, oh, what did he say? Yeah, he, he, he said, still not loving the police at the very end oh, when the five really? of them... The five of them were together up on the roof of that building. Eminem, that moron, is kneeling. Dr. Dr. Dre said something like, stop me the police. And it turns out, I guess, that it, it took a lot of work and a lot of hours to build that set. And the police were breaking Dr. Dre's balls, according to Dr. Dre in the New York Post today, and not making his life easy. So he was angry that the cops not aiding him more in building the set. Is he kidding me? He's up on stage with a bunch of people that want to shoot police, and he wants the police to bend over backwards to build his stupid set. So every one of them, not just Snoop Dogg. I know Snoop Dogg wrote those lyrics, but Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem with the kneeling, Mary J. Blige, 
They have all been guilty before of saying stuff about the cops, and they had an opportunity last night to put that to rest. And instead, the very end of the number, Dr. Dre takes a veiled shot at the police. They double down. Uh, no, they are. They, they they didn't reveal themselves to be the uh, you know cop hating uh, skanks that they are, but uh, just uh, again just confirmed it is what they did essentially. Yep. So yeah, like speaking of the music, uh, I mean, I love used to love and still do Eminem. I went to see Eight Mile in the movie theater for so God's sake. So, so I mean, that's how big a fan I was back in the day. That was a good song. That's his his big song he sang last night. I mean, other than Slim Shady, I guess that but, was huge. I mean, they, yeah. as a matter of fact. If you ask me, for the most part, uh, they should have had him do a lot more. Yeah. Uh, because there were a lot of the other stuff, I mean, some of the Mary J. Blige stuff we knew was pretty good. But uh, it's, it really, to me, it hasn't stood the test of time. But uh, either way, you had that. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just, just a long, long night. I mean, I'm glad it didn't go to overtime. Because, <laughs> again, I just didn't care who which team won. Right. Uh, Middle right. America versus Hollywood. And then you had, I don't know if you saw the pregame show, the interview with uh, President Biden with, uh, with uh, Lester Holt. No, no, I, I saw actually Lester Holt take President Biden apart on Thursday night. We covered it here on the show on Friday, uh, specifically inflation. He really embarrassed Joe Biden, but I did not see the Super Bowl. I didn't watch any of the pregame stuff. But anyway, I tell you not any. I went for lunch with Gabriel. Like I, you saw, we sent you a picture. I took Ava to the airport. I went to the gym. I went shopping with Danielle. I didn't watch one second of the pregame, so I did miss the interview with the president. Well, uh, uh, maybe you covered this on Friday, but uh, this was one of the things. Oh, this, so, was, oh, this was the same interview they did Thursday night. They just replayed it uh, uh, exactly, yesterday. Yeah. Exactly. They released a couple of clips. But either way, uh, it was like 90 seconds. It was nothing. Most of the stuff they left off, and it was a lot of embarrassing stuff. But this one uh, caught the attention of most people. Cut one, Justin Ellick. Uh, listen to uh, the old crank uh, bark at uh, Lester Holt. Take a listen. Back in July, you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, I understand that's your job. You can't talk to a black uh, anchor like that, bro. What's up with you? Well, a liberal, too. I mean, come on. He thought yeah. he was in a very safe place right there, and it turned out that it wasn't all that safe. I have to tell you that I saw something very similar to that yesterday. For some reason, I was watching um, – who's that awful host on um, Face the Nation, that lady? Uh, yeah, I forget her name. I, I forget know. her name, too, but she had Jake Sullivan on, and she kept pounding him about, hey, before this Russia-Ukraine thing blows up, have you guys learned anything about Afghanistan? And I was very surprised that she came at him all that hard. So Margaret Brennan, that's right. So between, no, it was, it's not Margaret Brennan. So between what she said to Sullivan yesterday and Holt with Biden on Thursday, maybe the liberal media, Bernie, is starting to turn the page just a little. Well, maybe, but a, a, a Pentagon report just came out uh, in which it uh, delineated the incompetence of the Biden, the indecisiveness of the Biden administration, the dangerous, they call it dangerous incompetence, something like that. So she, I guess she had to ask that question. But there were other things that they omitted on the Sunday morning shows, and I mean bombshells, which I'll get to a little bit later. But the one last one with uh, uh, Joe Biden, I mean, and they, they left this off because they're covering up for the guy. A uh, 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 cut seven, just got a cut seven. It's good to be here at uh, uh, Germana School. Look, healthcare. But you know what? Justin, Justin, and... play, play cut five, cut five, cut five, go. There's no way we were ever going to unite 
Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. Oh, my God. It was bad. So they did, oh there's God. a reason why they only let it go 90 seconds. In another one, which maybe we don't have time right now. I'll get to it a little bit later. He uh, actually he lies. And then, as a matter of fact, play cut four. We have a minute to play. That's cut four. Go ahead. What are your plans toward American citizens who are in Ukraine and might be there during an invasion? What scenarios would you put American troops to rescue and get Americans out? There's not. That's a world war. When Americans and Russians start shooting at one another, we're in a very different world. Here, here comes the line. Not here comes the line. On behalf of simply evacuating Americans. No. How, how, how do you do that? How do you even find them? This is not like I'm hoping that if, in fact, he's foolish enough to go in, he's smart enough not to, in fact, do anything that would negatively impact on American citizens. But have, you, have you told him that? Yes. Yes. You've, you've told him to, that, that you know, Americans will be a line that they can't cross? Well, I, I didn't have to tell oh him that. God. Yes, oh uh, then I didn't have to tell him that. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, there you had the uh, – that, that's why they kept it uh, very, very brief. Very, uh, you know, truncated this uh, interview with the president of the United States, which you would imagine when they, they'd let go, I don't know, seven minutes or so, which they normally do with other presidents. However, there you had it, the Super Bowl. And uh, as I mentioned, I, you know, we got cut off at the beginning. It's just uh, we need a Super Bowl holiday on Mondays. I'll repeat it from the top, and I'll say it again now. I'm sitting here with a headache, heartburn, <laughs> and uh, just exhausted from, uh, you know, the, the Super Bowl party last night. And, I can't take it anymore. I'm getting too old for this nonsense. I think uh, a lot of America agrees with you, Bernard. I certainly do. And um, it wouldn't be a bad idea. A little and the, the funny thing is, I think a week from today actually is a holiday. It's President's Day. Exactly. <laughs> Just make it today. Off to a uh, great start here. It was a uh, great game, though, as uh, Bernie pointed out. Came down to the final seconds before the Rams earned their second ever Super Bowl win in their fifth attempt. They've lost three times. They lost as a Los Angeles Ram football team to the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1980. Then Kurt Warner and the Rams held on to beat the Titans in Atlanta. I was at that game. That was amazing. Then it was Warner and the Rams who lost to Tom Brady's first-ever win Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. Then, of course, the Rams lost a couple of years ago to Tom Brady again. Me and Bernie were at that game in Atlanta. And last night in their fifth Super Bowl attempt, the Rams earned their second win. The Bengals, they're now 0-3. They're getting into that Denver Bronco, Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bill territory losing with Forrest Gregg and Kenny Anderson, losing with Sam Weiss and Boomer Esiason, and now losing with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Rich Lowry coming up at 740. Lydia Reports coming up at 825. Beat Bernie coming up at 940. So much more to do today. Welcome to Monday Morning right here on Bernie and Sid. Right now on 77 WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then at noon, it's Charlie Kirk from 1 to 3 p.m. It's Greg Kelly on 77 WABC.
February 14th, 2022, celebrating Valentine's Day. Bernard, happy Sydney. Valentine's Day, sexy. Well, look who's talking, my brother. Happy <laughs> Valentine's Day, as they say in my old hood to you and the, and the peeps out there. Yeah, and of course, uh, to your beautiful wife, Carol. And my wife, Danielle, is actually listening early this morning. So happy Valentine's Day to, uh, to her. And um, look, I know you guys out there. Like, I already had this discussion with Mike Garcia. Oh, it's a stupid, whatever. Who doesn't matter? Stupid day, not a stupid day. You love it, you hate it. The fact is, your woman right now was counting on you to do something between a card and a Mercedes. She cares. She cares. Just remember, that's that's how it affects you. She cares, right. and that's why it matters. Right. So whatever you want to do, you know, listen, to me, if, you're, if you get a really nice card, I really believe 99% of the time your significant other is happy with that. Now, listen, there are some... The housewives, for example, if you don't buy them a house, you're in big trouble, you know. But most ladies are not like that. So you get her a card, you spend 10 bucks, she's good to go. But if you get nothing, you come home with nothing, don't complain. We don't get laid until May. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you give her a text as early in the day as possible. You want to beat her to the uh, Happy Valentine's Day uh, communication. That's that's key. That's important, very important. And then you do the things that uh, you you just laid out, and uh, you'll be good. If you take this tough guy attitude, stupid. it just ain't going to work. It's and, stupid. You're defeating yourself. I mean, what do you win when you do that? Yeah. Now, listen, speaking of winners and losers, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are single on a day like today. Right. And it's a tough day. It's a lot of people go on dates. Some people are just lonely. Oh, God. Uh, but uh, especially the people who go on dates, you know, they just don't exactly know how it's going to work out. Yes. You know? I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a really awkward, uncomfortable day for those types of people. Probably the type of day you should stay away from going on a date. I totally agree. Stay yeah. home. Stay home. Because if you don't have that love that you get on Valentine's Day, then you're trying to push it. It's going to be more depressing. So I agree with you. I, w- I would stay home today. We actually pulled a Bernie and Carol, me and Danielle. We celebrated Valentine's Day two days before. And we made our first ever visit to Fresco by Scotto. And I must tell you that Rosanna Scotto, Channel 5, was so lovely and so great and so nice to, uh, to me and Danielle. Dropped off a couple of appetizers, uh, sat down with us. She could not have been nicer. Her brother John was there. Some other people were there that you, you may know. Ramona Singer, Real Housewives of New York, she was there. Michael Brinkott, our friend from Maimonides, he was oh, there. Yeah. But uh, Rosanna was so great. And I got to tell you, Byrne, between the music in that place, the ambiance, I mean, people dancing. 10, 20 at a time, and the food is five-star. If you haven't gone, and most people have. I know I got to the party late. <laughs> it's been around for a while now, the restaurant. But if you haven't gone, Fresco by Scotto there on the, uh, in the middle of, uh, Midtown, East 52nd Street, is a great restaurant. Uh, you know, that sounds like uh, New York is back. People dancing yes. at a club on, on Saturday night at not, a restaurant. Not only people dancing, but how about this? My waiter was not wearing a mask. That was wow. the first time I can remember in years where the staff, the help, was not wearing masks inside a restaurant. Uh, unlike, of course, uh, at the uh, Super Bowl where the celebrities and the luxury box apparently can only catch COVID in classrooms in L.A. and not in luxury boxes at the uh, Super Bowl games uh, because no celebrity was wearing a mask. You have Eric Garcetti repeating the same crap. 
Uh, he's being pictured, uh, you know, with no mask on. I guess he was holding his breath for like five minutes or something like that. But uh, but either way, I'm glad to hear that. It, uh, on the other hand, there, there's a famous restaurant, which I believe you have patronized in the past, called Nino's on the Upper East Side. You know, the last time I went to Nino's on the Upper East Side was a couple of months ago, and it was the four of us. It was. You ready for this? Me, Danielle, John, and Margot Katsimatidis. It was the first time we ever had dinner, just the four of us. First time we've done it since. First time we had dinner, just the four of us. They recommended the place. They live on the Upper East Side, John and Margot. That was their place. They took us there. Well, ironically, uh, you bring that up, or I guess coincidentally, uh, John Katsimatidis was actually on. uh, They played a clip of him from another show on Fox and Friends first this morning. And I believe the topic was the aforementioned Nino's, which yeah. was was they was invaded. It was like a store invasion. You heard of home invasions? It was a store invasion. They held it up with guns. They held the manager yes. at gunpoint, the whole thing. So uh, on the one hand, you have uh, Rosanna Scotto's restaurant, people are dancing, having a good time. On the other hand, you have Nino's on the Upper East Side, <laughs> yeah. where you have uh, you know a gang of thugs with masks on. Holding the uh, you know the owner and there was one other female worker, maitre D or something, holding them sort of hostage and robbing them of uh, you know Terrible. every everything in the joint. Terrible. Yeah. Well, so a tale of two cities here in New York. Yeah, it really is. Uh, there it is. That is the perfect tale of two cities. Eric Adams up in Albany today, and we'll see what he gets done. Again, it was a good week for Eric if you talk about what he said last week. He said. All the right things last week. Not too many foot in the mouth. Eric Adams last weekend. We'll see how he starts off uh, this week again up in Albany, making the fight for New Yorkers later on today. So we got uh, Rich Lowry coming up at seven forty. Lydia reports coming up at eight twenty-five. Beat Bernie at nine forty. More on last night's very exciting Ram victory over the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl fifty-six. But right now, Bernard, we've got other work to do. That's right. A little more sports and traffic coming up right now. It is time for the seventy-seven WABC clip of the day. Listen to Greg Kelly today and every weekday afternoon, one fifteen to 3 o'clock here. Greg sounds off. we got Cats Roundtable lecture today, Burn Cats Roundtable. Cats Roundtable. Yes, okay, sir. listen to Cats Roundtable every Monday morning, excuse me, Sunday morning at 8.30, kicking off a great day of political talk on 77 WABC. Listen to a clip from Cats Roundtable. What's going on? What are American people thinking? They're thinking of that Joe Biden. They can't believe how bad he is as president. And you know how bad it is? The one great person he's doing great things for is Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump defeats Joe Biden nationally in these polls, 49-44. And, and Trump defeats Kamala Harris even worse, 51-40. And he even beats Hillary Clinton, 51-41. So the Republicans are united. And for this November, the Republicans are leading in the generic ballot for Congress, 48-43, which is why you're going to see Democrats heading for the exits. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. What a game last night in Los Angeles. Yes, put the cop stuff aside, which is very difficult. I get it. Those animals at halftime, that wasn't easy to watch. I get it. Eminem taking a knee. Give me a break. But the game was actually very, very exciting. Very exciting. The Rams jumped out to a big lead. Then the Bengals scored 17 unanswered points, and they had the lead late in the game. Bengals leading the Rams 20-16, to and the Rams go on a 15-play-plus drive to try to take the lead. It was once again Matthew Stafford looking for Cup. Second to goal. Pass. Cup! Got it! Touchdown! Al, I've got to tell you, 
in a pressure situation, I don't know if I have ever seen anybody be better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They had no choice. They had no choice. Odell Beckham Jr., the former Giant, who caught a touchdown in this game, got hurt in the second quarter. It was all Stafford and Cup. That was courtesy of NBC, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. That gave the Rams a 23-20 lead. But the Bengals still had two times out, two timeouts, I should say, and about 75 seconds. Burrow moving them downfield when, once again, Ram defensive lineman Aaron Donald made the big stop. Burrow trying to keep it going. Gets spun down, gets it away, and incomplete. It looked like P. Ryan might have had a shot. To make the grab, but the Rams now running down to celebrate with a defensive play. And guess who? Guess who? I mean, you don't even have to think about it. Number 99, Aaron Donald, a monster in the second half. And the Rams hold on, beat the Bengals 23-20, win their second Super Bowl ever. Here's Rams head coach Sean McVay after the big win. That's why they're world champs. Is our best players stepped up in the most crucial and critical moments. You end up losing some guys. Guys were asked to step up. I just can't say enough about how much I love this group. They played for one another. There's something really powerful about being a part of something bigger than yourself. And you can see that the way that these guys competed. Love these players. Love these coaches. And they're world champs. There it is. The Rams beat the Bengals 23-20. Sports brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Check them out today and every day. PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers with sports. I'm Sid. Yeah, I'm ready. Seems like everybody's got a price. It's all about the money, yo. Mysterious. Mysterious. Everybody look to your left. Everybody look to their right. Can you hear it now? Hear with love tonight. It's all about the money, money, money. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere on that 77 WABCF simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM. Also on your smart TVs, on your computers, WABCRadio.tv. This is, of course, the Valentine's Day. It is a the day after the Super Bowl. A lot of people coming in, they're hurting. Unless they were smart and they just stayed home, you know, and turned the game off at 1030, went to sleep. Uh, I guess a lot these Super Bowl parties. I, I, maybe they're becoming less and less popular. I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, seems like it's an, an old school kind of thing these days. I don't know. I don't, no, I don't know I don't, what the kids I, are doing I, these I, days. No, they are. I, I got to tell you, a lot of young people in my neighborhood, and uh, I saw them walking with their giant sweatshirts on, their eagle sweatshirts on, their dolphin sweatshirts on, carrying food, walking down Riverside Drive, walking through Central Park. I mean. Young people, people are much younger than you and I. So you know, I do believe that it's still the rage, all the rage, to go nuts on Super Bowl Sunday. My daughter, actually, she works part-time as she goes to school, uh, learning to become a court reporter. She worked uh, a restaurant. She works in a restaurant, a fancy restaurant here in the, uh, you know, in, in Point Lookout, actually. And she said it was crowded. Yeah. It was packed. People were having a good time. So well, we uh, drove back. Oh, she, she wants to be a stenographer? 
She, yeah, that's right. Oh, no she, kidding. She's a court stenographer. Oh, she's, she said talk to Danielle about that. Danielle has, uh, that's her business, obviously, a big-time attorney, and she knows girls who do that and men. But uh, we should get those two together. But driving back from Kennedy Airport last night and driving from the east side, Bernard, when we got off the RFK Bridge to the west side, passing some pretty big restaurants, they were packed. And like I said, I saw a ton of people walking in the streets, carrying food, all dressed in their football gear. So... I think uh, despite all the talk about the halftime show, which did piss off a lot of people, and uh, all the uh, problems around the National Football League, the Brian Flores racism story, the commissioner last week talking about racism, I still think that uh, the United States and the world enjoyed that day yesterday. And for what it's worth, again, that was a damn good football game last night. It was. uh, You know, it it exceeded expectations. Uh, It was good. Even if you didn't care who won, uh, as I texted to you yesterday, Hopefully, at least it'll be competitive. It was. And, and it was. So, uh, you know, but uh, so back to your point about Brian Flores, uh, they covered they, they on the pregame show again. You know, that's, the, that's all I'm doing. I'm laying around watching TV. I watched the pregame show and they well, did. Well, a, I'm just curious. A, what channel did you watch? NBC? Channel four. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah sure. Yeah. Channel four. And they did a lot of uh, Brian Flores uh, coverage, racism in the NFL. And they had this guy, one of these guys, these, uh, sp- one of these sports reporters. His name is Mike Smith. Yeah. And he makes Stephen A. Smith sound like, uh, you know, Herschel Walker, for God's sakes. Uh, he, this guy is like, he's, he's, he's all in. He's on the, on the race card, man. Good Lord. Take it easy, bro. But either way, uh, one of the, uh, there were three questions asked by uh, Lester Holt to, to Joe Biden yesterday. And one of them was just this. And this is what uh, Biden's answer was. Listen. Well, I think it should be held a reasonable standard. And, you know, uh, the commissioner pointed out they haven't lived up to what they committed to. They haven't lived up to being open about hiring more minorities to run teams. And uh, whether or not, you know, Goodell says they're going to take a look at what whether they can meet the standard. And the standard was set by, you know, uh, someone who said this is something uh, we should do. Think about uh, it. It's, I think it's the whole idea that um, a league that is made up of so many athletes of color as well as so diverse that there's not enough African-American qualified coaches to, quote, to manage these NFL teams. It just seems to me that it's a standard that, that they'd want to live up shut to. Up. I don't know if there's not a requirement of law. But this, this old racist pig, shut up, is right. Uh, this old racist pig, he sees uh, people, you know, based on the color of their skin, whereas – Non-racists like you and I, we see people as individuals, the content of their character. That's the way I look at people. No, me too. And he lied there, by the way. He said that the league is diverse. The league is not diverse. The league is black. Now, the owners are white. The GMs are white. It's not diverse. There are no Asians that are big-time NFL players. There are very, very very few Latinos that are very good NFL players. It's not a diverse league at all. It's a black league led by white people. Now, you may have an issue with that. That's fine. How do you fix it? I don't know. Maybe Tony Dungy should have won five Super Bowls. Maybe Lovey Smith should have won five Super Bowls. You know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, what about what do you want me to tell you? Pittsburgh Pirates coach. What the hell is uh, his the name? Steelers. You mean Mike Tomlin. Steelers. Excuse right. Me. He won Pittsburgh one. Pirates. Right. With Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe he should have won five Super Bowls. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Hey, listen, how are we doing on uh, black quarterbacks? What is the is the percentage uh, what they would like it to be? Is it uh, high enough for not. them? Of course not. Of course no? not. How come we don't hear anything about uh, black uh, quarterbacks anymore? I don't know. And when you talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, um, you're going to have a hard time getting to a black quarterback, i got to tell you. I mean, uh, Steve McNair, he quarterbacked one Super Bowl. That was a loss. Warren Moon, 
Never even got to a Super Bowl, as far as I know. Michael, v- I mean, you're gonna. It's a, it's a long list of quarterbacks before you even get to a black quarterback being mentioned. Yeah, but exactly. And now, uh, I mean, that was the big issue. I'd say about ten, fifteen years ago. I remember when Rush Limbaugh said what he said about yes. uh, Donovan McNabb. Who was but a now, very, and by the way, he was a very good quarterback, and he got to a Super Bowl with the Eagles, which he did lose to Tom Brady and the Patriots. But he's another guy. Never won a Super Bowl. Start of uh, start of twenty twenty, ten of thirty two starting quarterbacks were black. As opposed to uh, uh, ten of uh, th- and how how many uh, black head coaches? It was only two this year, I believe. Oh, okay, out of right. thirty two. Well, maybe that's maybe that's the, that explains the uh, the lack of conversation about that. You mentioned also uh, Eric Adams. Uh, he said all the right things last week. He also uh, came out over the weekend against these uh, some of these pro violent uh, videos that, that social media allows on their platform and among other things and I don't, I don't know if it's contained in this clip if not i'll tell you what he said on the other side but here's eric adams calling for big tech social media to ban these violent uh, videos which shows young black guys with guns threatening violence listen to eric adams and i had no idea what drill rapping was but i called my son and he sent me some videos and it is alarming and we are going to pull together the social media companies and sit down with them and state that you have a civic and corporate responsibility. I mean, we pulled Trump off Twitter because of what he was spewing. Yet we are allowing music, displaying of guns, violence. We're allowing it to stay on these sites because look at the victims. We're bringing them in. We're going to show exactly what is being uh, displayed. And we are alarmed by it. We are alarmed by the use of social right, that's media. Good, that's good. Thank you, man. So uh, that was the money quote. They pulled Trump from Twitter because of what he was spewing, and they allowed his crap on. And uh, that is a an extremely valid point. I mean, the, the stuff they allow on social media while banning a guy like President Trump is gross, and it's uh, you know it's just it's just not right. It's just, it's unjust, is what it is. I mean, I mean Trump, of course, uh, not advocating anything like what these drill rap videos which again i saw some of them and they're really really bad and they're popular amongst the young black community now speaking of donald trump uh they have a new a new uh, a new scandal so this, uh, this woman she's a very very credible new york times reporter her name is maggie haberman yep. i mean she's credible in the liberal in liberal circles but uh she's a trump hater and she works for a, obviously fake news new york times but she wrote a book and this is the latest. They got they got Trump here. Listen to this. Listen to Maggie Haberman from The New York Times. As I was reporting out this book. Um, I learned that staff in the White House residence would periodically find the, the toilet clogged. The engineer would have to come and, and fix it. And what the engineer would find would be wads of, you know, clumped up print, wet printed paper, um, you know, meaning it was not toilet paper this was this was either notes or some other piece of paper that you know he they believe that he had thrown down the toilet what it could be brianna could be anybody's guess it could be post-its it could be notes he wrote to himself it could be other things we don't know so the fake news ran with that last week like it was uh you know you know like it was valid for example like did you ever try to flush toilet paper i mean uh a paper that you write on down a toilet bowl did anybody you think donald trump was going into the freaking uh, I mean, come on. Uh, men's room Flushing toilet, and that was with their big story last week. Donald Trump's uh, flushing uh, classified information down the White House t- toilet bowl. There, Edith, huh? I mean, it was really ridiculous what the stuff they're coming out with. However, this uh, latest uh, bombshell that came out, 
And this, uh, I know a lot of people roll their eyes and what took so long and when are they going to get these people? They're never, they're never going to find justice with uh, Hillary Clinton and what she did. Everything they accused Donald Trump of, they were guilty of. Trump spying on the Hillary campaign. They hacked her emails. All of this nonsense, Russia collusion for three and a half years. Well, it turns out that this guy, John Durham, the U.S. attorney in Connecticut who has been probing this stuff, he actually uh, submitted some court filings, and it turns out that it was the Hillary Clinton campaign, unequivocally, without a doubt, she, with the help of big tech companies, they were spying on not only the Trump campaign, but the Trump White House. They hacked the Trump White House. They hacked Trump Tower, just as Trump alleged back in the day, and they laughed at him. This is valid. This happened. And yesterday on Fox News, this report, I'll let her tell you what happened because she articulates it well. And then she makes a statement at the very end, which uh, shows a lack of, I don't know, self-awareness perhaps. But anyway, Aisha Hosni from Fox News reporting on this John Durham court filing from over the weekend. Listen to this. So a shocking revelation from special counsel John Durham's investigation into the Trump-Russia hoax today. A new legal filing claims Hillary Clinton's campaign paid tech workers to infiltrate Trump Tower and White House servers in an attempt to link the former president to Russia. A portion of that filing reads this, quote, Tech Executive One and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the EOP's DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. So you'd think a story this big would lead to Sunday talk shows, but not one of them mentioned it. Not one of them. This is a bombshell. This is huge. This uh, involves uh, this uh, weasel that you see all over the news talking about, you know, hoping that we go to war with Russia. This guy, uh, Jake Sullivan, this guy is up to his neck in this spying stuff. And Hillary Clinton herself, believe it or not. And remember when Trump made this claim on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl, the way she treated him. And, of course, now it turns out it's absolutely true. Listen to uh, Trump with Leslie Stahl. The biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Well, there's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, called. And she just went on that. for yeah. like two minutes. You know, I can't, I can't even play your, you're alleging this stuff. Mm. I mean, it was really gross. And it turns out, yep, ultimately I'm always right. And he was dead right about this. And this, again, remember we spent three and a half years on uh, – the, the, the notion that Trump spied on the Hillary campaign with Russia, it was the exact opposite. And then this same reporter from Fox News, she actually, and this shows you Hillary was into her neck, up into her neck in this nonsense, along with that dude, uh, Jake Sullivan, who should absolutely recuse himself from his NSA position. Anyway, just listen to this lady one more time reading a Hillary Clinton tweet. I want to um, bring up this 2016 tweet from then-candidate Hillary Clinton. This is uh, the day before the election. She actually is pushing this entire theory. She tweets, computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank the day before the election. The day before the election. So they were all in on it. This was a huge, huge plot. And they've been busted. This guy has been meticulous, taking his time, 
And it involves a lawyer named Sussman, and that's the reason why they covered their tracks really, really well. And this guy uncovered their tracks uh, methodically, and it's coming out now. And you'll, you're going to hear a lot more about this. This is, this is huge, this uh, Hillary campaign spying on the Trump administration. Uh, 1-800-848-9222. We'll talk to Rich Lowry about this. Oh, oh by the way, uh, initially I played that clip of the uh, Aisha Hosty from Fox News saying that not one of the Sunday morning shows covered it. By the way, that includes her own Sunday morning show. Fox News Sunday never saw fit to mention this whatsoever. Although although Fox is all over it now, you know Fox and Friends and all this stuff, but for some reason the the, uh, the Fox News Sunday show, and she should have included, including our own show, uh, did not cover it for whatever reason. But uh, there you have it. That's the bombshell today on the Bernie and Sid show. Rich Lowry again at seven forty. It's Valentine's Day. It's the day after the Super Bowl, folks. So hang in there. We got you covered right here on the Bernie and Sid show. Ultimately, I'm always right. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. I know that we are young and I know that you may love me. But I just can't be with you like this anymore, Alejandro. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. I actually like Lady Gaga music a lot, a lot. But uh, anyway, there she is. Listen, uh, we'd be remiss. There was an awful, awful uh, crime on the Lower East Side, a, an Asian woman. She's only lived in New York for about a year. She's walking into her building, I believe it was Saturday night, walks up to the sixth floor, some mutt with a bunch of priors, follows her up into her apartment, pushes in the door, stabs her to death. So another uh, reminder, Eric Adams, you you got a lot of work to do, bro. And this anti-Asian stuff, remember you were going to have uh, Joe Biden issue an apology on behalf of Donald Trump for calling it the uh, China virus? Uh, we got some anti-Asian hate going on right here in New York City. Get some people to uh, apologize for uh, inciting this stuff. Here on the Bernie and Sid Show, Rich Lowry at 740, Valentine's Day, day after the Super Bowl. lot to talk to, a lot to get to. Sarah Palin's dating Ron Duguay. <laughs> How about that? We're coming right back, folks. New York, Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. I call it the wheel. Eh, I don't think so. This is a miss. Roger James is behold. It's a fork. I got dead forks right here, baby. A toilet? We're not animals. We go outside like humans. Hancock. No king! The people shall have the right to vote. Even the stupid ones? Yes! Oh, yeah. Edison, can I be honest with you? It stinks. Nobody's going to the moon, ever! Why not? It's far! It's too far! It's far! Come here, Iwa. Totally music, please. Fuckaka! Delete it! Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't 
don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. You're my funny valentine Sweet comic valentine You make me smile with my heart The great Tony Bennett My dad used to love this song my mother father. My funny Valentine by Tony Bennett at 706 on your Monday morning post Super Bowl 56. And of course, the minute of audio you heard before, the great Tony Bennett. This is so low in my ear today, by the way. I hate it. By the way, my, my favorite Tony Bennett song is I Left My Rug in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, he did do that. What happened? The minute you heard before that was the Larry David commercial last night during the Super Bowl. I know we used to spend a lot of time. We would do. Sports shows, hours and hours on the commercials. They would spend millions and millions of dollars, and uh, usually they'd be you know, high-powered and uh, big stars. And that was the case last night from Matthew McConaughey to Seth Rogen to Paul Rudd to Larry David. There were a lot of big stars doing commercials last night, and a lot of folks, Fort Worth Bernard, really liked that Larry David commercial. Myself included. Uh, yeah, I'm a big-time curb your enthusiasm aficionado and uh... – Larry David's brilliant. I would imagine he wouldn't get involved if he didn't think the uh, spot would be funny. And it was funny. as you, I heard you mimic what he said. Even the stupid people yeah, take they get a vote. The vote too, yeah. I mean, it's so, so true. Yeah, that is true, especially here in the United States. I know that uh, the Rogan-Rudd one was okay. A C- couple of chuckles uh, in my household. But uh, what about you, uh, Justin Ellick? What did... Um, what did you think was uh, good on the Super Bowl commercials last night? Oh, uh, you know what got a lot of attention no, was, was the um, <laughs> Sopra- the Sopranos themed Chevy know. commercial the with young uh, kids. Yeah, I missed it. It was uh, Meadow, uh, Jamie Lynn Siegler, and then right. whoever plays uh, Anthony Junior, who he looks uh, he looks older. He does it called the Robert. I uh, forget his last name. Eiler, Robert Eiler. I, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't see that one myself. And quite frankly, uh, unlike the old days. I wasn't really looking for the commercials, but I did happen to catch that uh, Larry David one. And uh, I saw the Paul Rudd. Uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah. That wasn't bad. It was okay. But uh, other than that, I was out during the commercial breaks. I, <laughs> you, you I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, in, in, you know, in a bathroom toking up. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> I know. I did the uh, the edible thing myself this weekend, so uh, help me get through the commercials and the game, too. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a good game. Now, again, if you're just waking up this morning, the Rams did go on to beat the Bengals 23-20, came back with an epic 15-play drive at the very end of the game. The Bengals did have one more opportunity with two timeouts and about 80 seconds to go to tie or win the game. But Aaron Donald and that Ram defensive line, which was so huge in that second half. I mean, I know Cooper Cup won the MVP, and he should have. He was just uh, unbelievable last night. Every time Matthew Stafford needed to complete a pass, there was Cooper Cup to make a big play. But Aaron Donald in that second half showed everybody why he may be the best player in the National Football League. Certainly the most dominant defensive player, but he literally took that game over all by himself. I mean, this kid Burrow didn't have a chance to fart let alone throw a football in that backfield for uh, Cincinnati. And, and that one play, in fact, 
when he went down uh, in the fourth quarter, if you're watching the his face, I mean, the amount of pain on Burrow's face, I thought he was going to be done for the night. You saw that play, right, Bernard? I saw that. Yeah, yeah, he was hurting. He was hurting. It was, uh, it was a scary moment. Would have ruined the game if uh, they, he had to come out. But uh, are you alleging that uh, Donalds was actually the MVP and that we have a sort of Brian Flores situation? <laughs> they did give it to the white guy. Is, they is this did what give I'm it hearing, to the bro? white guy. Yeah, you know what it is? The offensive player is uh, most of the time going to get that. There's been a few defensive MVPs, uh, again, um, that I can remember. You know, actually, there's only been one MVP of the Super Bowl that played on a losing team. It's a true story. Uh, back at Super Bowl Five, when the Baltimore Colts beat the Dallas Cowboys 16-13, to the rookie Jim O'Brien kicked the game-winning field goal. A guy named uh, uh, Clint, uh, what was his name for the, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys? Eastwood. No, Howley. Uh, Howley. Oh. Something like that. He won the MVP, and he was on the losing team. He was on the Dallas Cowboys. Other than that, I know Richard Dent, for example, Chicago Bears, he won it. You had that uh, defensive back for Dallas, Larry Brown. He picked off Neil O'Donnell about ten times. Chuck Howley. Dallas Cowboys is the only player ever to play in a losing team, still win the Super Bowl MVP, and he was a defensive player, but maybe five or six times, that's it. So when a guy like Cooper Cupburny has a monster offensive game like he had last night, they're very rarely going to look in a defensive, uh, uh, you know, for a player on defense to win it. But Aaron Donald, I thought, was uh, every bit as deserving as Cooper Cup. I really do. Well, I can tell you this. Cooper Cup does not have a – a post-career broadcast career, no, post-NFL career broadcast. No, I mean, they tried to, you know, they tried to squeeze words out of this guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say except thank you to everybody. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up in grammar school, and uh, I just love everybody. Uh, yeah. So, how do you feel about uh, you know the last play going? Well, I just uh, I have no words to express what I want to say. Yeah. No, this guy is not going to be. Uh, no, he's in the right field. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No broadcast boof. Yeah. But he did. He did get clocked pretty hard in the back of the end zone on oh, one of those I, plays. I, yeah, he so got hammered. A lot of people thought he was mildly concussed. Yeah, that was like uh, nineteen flags. Those you last couple me, of plays. It just made me feel terrible, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Trust me, he's not that bright anyway. Just. <laughs> He's not exactly – he ain't going to be uh, making any long speeches. The guy that does make speeches for that football team is our offensive lineman, Andrew Whitworth. It was a guy who spent most of his career in Cincinnati with the Bengals and has spent the last five or six years with the Rams. He's actually played for both teams. He's a multiple pro bowler. He's in his 40s and I believe he's going to retire. Yeah. But they, uh, did, uh, they did put the spotlight on Whitworth last night. Either. Donald might retire as well. He was I, 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 that guy Whitworth I like, by the way. I saw yes. him on the NFL Awards. And uh, he has a uh, career in the broadcast booth. He does. He, he uh, when made, he gets he, done, he made a great speech, Bernie, at the uh, the Legends Dinner, one of the big NFL dinners uh, during the week. He made a speech, and everybody was raving about it all day yesterday. I'm not sure Al Michaels mentioned it, but on the radio broadcast coming back from the airport, I did hear Kevin Harlan mention it on the NFL uh, channel. So uh, he's a guy, yes, that that could uh, move on and easily work in the booth. But uh, most of those players, uh, let's face it, cannot. Now, one, uh, one exciting note for me, uh, this is going to be all about me. I'm sorry, Byrne. <laughs> but uh, you remember Something back, different. Yeah, right. Back in December when I made that trip to that loft in Tribeca and uh, Vicky Press got me going with this and the lovely Suzanne Yu, who spent a couple of Fridays ago in studio oh, yeah. with you and I, sure. She was there, my photographer, Michael Goldman, my fashion designer, the guru himself, Joseph Abood, and I did this, um, this photo shoot 
for this FLG magazine back in December, and I've been waiting very patiently the last couple of months for the magazine to come out. Well, it is out. And if you go to my Instagram page this morning, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, you can see the whole shoot is a long story about my career. Special thanks to my wife and my kids, John and Margot Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez. Uh, certainly a lot about you, Bernard, in the story, about nine or ten different pictures. And there is the cover right now. So if you're watching me and Bernie at WABCRadio.TV, thank you, Gabby Lopez. If you're watching me and Bernie right now, WABCRadio.TV, you can see the cover. Sid Rosenberg, a face and attitude for radio. And I got to say, <laughs> it came out really, really good the photographer, again, Michael Goldman, the designer, Joseph Abu, did such an amazing job. And it's a great story and great pictures. You could purchase the magazine right off of my link at my Instagram page. You can buy it. Uh, we'll have some copies to give out here at the office. But it is live and up there today. So I am officially, Bernie, as of today, I'm officially a, um, a model. A model. <laughs> a model, a radio co-host, a, uh, a, a movie star, a TV star. An author? Yeah, got a lot going on. Come on, bro. You're the king of all media. <laughs> this is huge. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a very cool. My it mom, really is. My mom loved it last night. That, that was the uh, the coolest thing. My mom is like, well, Sydney, how do I buy this? I'm, <laughs> I'm like, Mom, I'll get you a free copy, I promise. She's actually down in Florida now with my sisters, and everybody's in Florida. You know, last week, for example, on this show, we had Bill O'Reilly on Thursday. He was in Florida. We had Rudy Giuliani on Friday. He was in Florida. There were like two or three other guests, Justin, on this show last week that were all in Florida, right? Yeah, Curtis Lee was down in Florida. Oh, Curtis is in Florida, too. That's right. Nobody wants to be here this time of year. I'm sorry. No, it's terrible. Go to, hey, the, hey, go to the Breakers. And by the way, I wish I was in Florida as well. I mean, <laughs> the snow on Saturday. Yeah, you, you know, you've come I'm a long it. way. You're a guy that when I first started working with you six years ago, you hated Florida. You yeah. hated it. Uh, you know, as as you, the, the older you get, the less adventurous i look at snow as adventure and uh no thanks you know i'm done but uh <laughs> speaking of curtis so, uh, so you're not moving anytime soon like you were saying six years ago to new hampshire or vermont to one of those no, awful that's over. places that's over right you're going to florida okay but yeah. uh, i don't know if you would address this uh but uh speaking of curtis leeway anthony weiner i mean uh is that something we're allowed to talk about uh I, listen i talked about it with frank on friday frank started the show with me uh, I'm on record saying uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. i got to be honest. I understand why you would do it, and certainly it draws a lot of attention, a lot of eyes, and a lot of ears. Um, it was good. I heard it. I mean, the, the content was actually pretty good. I, I will tell you that I got a bunch of emails and text messages from people who were upset. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it did draw eyeballs and did uh, get some ears. And uh, that's what we're in the business of doing. Is, uh, is getting people to listen to the radio station. And yeah. I think at the very least it did that. Well, you know, it's funny. I got uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, via uh, thanks to Bo Deedle, I got a uh, voicemail from uh, Cardinal Dolan. And then last night I actually got an email from Anthony Weiner, both of which wishing me well in my uh, travails right now, Yeah, in my you know battle with uh, whatever I'm battling. Yeah. But uh, that's the spectrum right there, Cardinal Dolan and <laughs> Anthony Weiner. Yeah. I mean, look, for me, Anthony Weiner is still a scumbag. I don't care what, what anybody says. You, I, I'm, you know, look, guy steals money. You know, Craig Horton, for example, he went to federal prison. He stole money. He did this. He did that. I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't believe that guys deserve second, third, fourth chances when you do what Anthony did, that's just my opinion. And I'm a guy that's had a million chances but never did anything nearly, nearly as serious and creepy as what this guy did. So I'm not a fan. 
And I think it's important I say that, just in case people are listening and want my opinion. I understand why we put him on, and uh, I wish him all the best. And I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled that he reached out to you. That was very, very nice. But as far as I'm concerned, Anthony Weiner, he's a scumbag. Yeah, and some people would say, hey, well, you guys had him on back when he was having uh, Listen, that, that was the first time. He had exactly. A, and then he exactly. did it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. And uh, finally, Bob Saget, uh, found, it turns out he fell and hit his freaking head. I mean, but he hit his head. You know, like, like you have these stories. So the, the girl died of accidental stabbing, but she got stabbed 17 times. He had like nine fractures. He had like well, multiple it fractures. Could have been from one fall. I don't know. It, it is a little weird. Little weird, you know. Yeah, not fractures. His eyes were effed up, and uh, pardon my language. Uh, yeah, it's a little odd, but uh, it's it's terribly tragic, ter- terribly sad. He should have went for help, and he didn't. Apparently, he was too disoriented. He was by himself. Probably slipped on the shower floor or something like that. Though they haven't gotten into details. But yeah. anyway, uh, it's awful. Bob Saget, uh, rest in peace. So, yeah, so. that was a sad story. I think a lot of folks are still uh, trying to figure that one out. Very upset about that. So we do miss uh, we do wish, uh, miss Bob Saget. Ralph Napolitano checking in. Our good buddy up there at Ann and Tony's on uh, Arthur Avenue. He said the commercials sucked. I don't think they sucked. I think he's wrong. The game was mediocre. That's stupid. It was a great game. That was a great game. Yes or no? Justin. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a great game. But right. definitely better than last year's Super Bowl, which was a snooze fest. Uh, uh, any, any, I mean, when you get down to the final possession, you've got under a minute left, and the team has a chance to win the game. That is a, that's a great football game. He goes, halftime show was good. That's shocking because this guy is uh, very pro-cop. He's always yelling and screaming. And he had the Bengals and the under for the win. Bang. You did too, Justin? Yeah, I, I, I kind of... I did, you know, I was a little bit of a degenerate about it. I think I had like eight open bets. <laughs> yep. A lot of folks love the Bengals yesterday. I know that. So Justin is sliding down that slippery slope. Oh yeah, no, he's uh, it's almost over. It's almost over. Yeah, I'm just about there now. Well, but you won last night, so if I were you, I would call Frankie Kravitz this morning and take care of your girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I. You know what? I'll give him a ring. <laughs> one eight hundred eight four eight wabc one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two Bill O'Reilly's morning message. That's coming up next at seven forty. We will talk to the great witch Lowry. Lydia reports comes your way at eight twenty five, and Beat Bernie comes your way at nine forty on this Monday morning after the Rams beat the Bengals in Super Bowl fifty six. Right now on seventy seven WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning at five. It's Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis on seventy seven WABC. We were both young when I first saw you. I closed my eyes and the flashback starts. I'm standing there on the balcony in summer air. See the lights, see the party, the ball games. See you make your way through the crowd and say hello. Love this song. Little did I know. It's a Valentine's Day song right here, bro. WBCRadio.tv, once again, Gabby Lopez doing a great job. 
the picture while this song is playing, because you're uh, introducing the song, is a very young Bernard McGurk with a full head of hair and a mustache drinking a Budweiser while smoking a cigarette. That's very romantic, right? <laughs> right after Bill O'Reilly's commentary that uh, Irish guys, not romantic. That's funny. He actually did say that. He, a, yeah. a, a sweeping generality that Irish guys are not romantic, which, by the way, you've hinted at before. You said Jews, Italians, uh, one thing, but you've hinted, even the relationship, some of your family relationships, where it's not like, I love you, I love you, I love you. So you've, you've kind it's of true. intimated that before. Yeah, we're a little, uh, a little on the chilly side, I would say, as compared to some other ethnicities. Not to, again, make sweeping generalizations, but that's been my experience. So I agree with Bill O'Reilly on that. And uh, that, that song, by the way, Romeo and Juliet, Taylor Swift, I mean, that is Valentine's Day right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, the name of that song is actually Love Story. Love Story, there you go. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, uh, I love that story, Love Story. I love the story about... Uh, Sarah Palin and Ron Duguay. I told, actually you, I told you last dating. week. Yeah, they were spotted inside well, a oh, restaurant. Yes. Remember I told you they were spotted inside a restaurant on the Upper East Side? Of course, of course. But the story back then was, was that she wasn't wearing a mask. Right. No, I remember all that. Yeah. saw it in the paper and everything, all that stuff. But nobody, he confirmed over the weekend. He says, yes, we're dating. And he accompanied her to uh, court on Friday and he was so such a gentleman. He's, he's holding her hand. Yeah. He's got an umbrella over her head. And I think she was one of the most wronged politicians in the history of modern-day politics. That, of course, until Donald Trump came around. So I, I was loving to see. I hope she wins the court case against the New York Times and, and you know, owns half the uh, New York Times building up there uh, on 43rd Street or whatever the hell it is. But the fact that she hooked up with this uh, New York stud, uh, Ron Duguay, and clearly a total gentleman, uh, he said, I'm here to support my friend, my buddy, in court. I just love that story. No, I just so thought, do I. Yeah, and uh, I know how much you love Sarah Palin for many years. It may still be the picture on your Facebook, your avatar. As a matter of fact, it Sarah. is. It still is. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Between the both of them, uh, uh, Ron Duguay, my quick story was uh, back at WABC, Two Penn Plaza. Some dude runs out to me in the, in the elevator banks. He's like, Bernie, Bernie, oh, man, it's great to meet you. I love you. I love you on O'Reilly. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. And, and, and you are? And he's like, well. I'm Ron Duguay, you know, <laughs> and, and, and with Sarah Palin, it was on a Hannity set. Yeah. She, I was waiting to go on next. She was sitting up on the, uh, on the dais and she sees me and she's like, Hey, I know who you are. Uh, so, uh, a couple of my buddies. How about that? There you have it. Yeah. I don't know, Sarah, Ron Duguay is a very, very, very close friend of mine, as you know, in fact, may even join us tomorrow, but I don't know Sarah at all. Never met her, never saw her, but I will agree with you that the way she was treated when, in fact, John McCain announced she was going to be his uh, vice president, was uh, completely unfair. Completely and, and unfair. And she was handled, believe it or not, by the vile wretch Nicole Wallace. So oh, that'll just give you an idea of oh. how much they screwed her. And, and by the way, she, uh, Sarah Palin, under intense pressure, she went to the uh, Republican National Convention, gave her a speech for an hour, and knocked it out of the freaking park. She was good, yes. Yes. Uh, she was terrific, yes. and, of course, she was very attractive and all that, these things. So for a while there, she, she was a superstar. And then, of course, the media went to work and took her apart and uh, tore her apart, and uh, resulting now in this, uh, this lawsuit in which they implied that she was using crosshairs a la the uh, Colorado shooters' crosshairs, blah, 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 whatever the hell it was. They're wrong. She's right. But the question is whether or not she's too much of a uh, public personality. 
uh, that she can sue because that is uh, yeah. some sort of legal standard there, whatever the hell it is. But anyway, Romeo and Juliet, Ronnie and Sarah, and uh, Valentine's Day and Irish guys, they don't know how to romance, uh, according to Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> you know what? We'll speak to an Irish guy coming up next. And he's got a family, I think, with three kids. Uh, he knows, clearly knows how to romance. Romance. His name is Rich Lowry. We'll speak to him. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. to bring on his guests, he would ask his guests beforehand, what are your five favorite songs? And then he would bring on the guest and play one of their five favorite songs. So Rich Lowry joins us at this time every Monday. He's a phenomenal guest, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC. He's a mega superstar. Turns out that he actually asked for this song this morning. I love Bruce Springsteen, despite his political beliefs. I love this song. But why would you pick Glory Days the day after a football game? (laughs) <laughs> I don't get it. What am I missing? <laughs> I had to choose quickly. Okay. I had to choose quickly. All right. All right. All not, right not, all, not all the songs on that album, Born in the USA, hold up that well, I would right. say. But no, uh, Glory right. Days is one of them. Well, that's one of the actual pro-American songs, unlike Born in the USA, which yeah. folks think is pro-American, but it's exactly. anything but. Uh, Rich Lowry here in the Bernie and Sid program. So uh, we got to start with the Super Bowl. It was, I thought, a great game. It was a great game. Uh, everything else I went into it, uh, the, before the game, the halftime, the cop hating, blah, blah, blah. What was Rich Lowry's feelings on Super Bowl 56? Well, it was a game where the, the final possession, either team could have won. So you, you always you always want that. I kind of became really invested in the Bengals. So I was disappointed, but the Rams made the made the plays when they had to make them. And, uh, you know, the Bengals just had to stop one receiver on the go-ahead Ramster drive. One yeah. receiver. And they, they they couldn't do it. He was either catching the ball or getting fouled. Yeah. <laughs> so what can you do? I could have done without the halftime show. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of that music. Plus, you know, I prefer more pyrotechnics. Like if Snoop Dogg had been shot out a giant reefer or something, that, that would have made, <laughs> made it more interesting for me. <laughs> but seriously, Rich Lowry, speaking of the halftime show, I mean the this uh, Snoop Dogg thing, it really got uh, it got smothered. It got there was no coverage of it virtually. In other words, he just came out with a song that said, "Hey, black men, stop shooting each other and start shooting cops." He literally wrote those lyrics just in the last few months. That's his latest song, and there was absolutely silence. There was there was crickets. Nobody cared. I mean, in this day of an age of, uh, you know, somebody said the N-word 10 years ago. Yeah. This guy just wrote that three months ago. Yeah, I know. It's it's insane, right? If Joe, Joe Rogan wrote something comparable, his show would be totally canceled, right? He wouldn't be able to podcast anywhere right. on any platform ever again. But uh, Snoop gets the, the Super Bowl halftime show platform. It's just a symptom of our time. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible hypocrisy. M- Eminem, of course, kneeling during the song, a more nonsense. Dr. Dre at the very end of the performance talking about how not a big fan of the police, basically not the exact verbiage. But so even after all the negative press uh, uh, in and around Snoop Dogg, which, again, as I told Bernie, didn't take him off the stage. That was never going to happen. But even after all the negative press, you would have thought these morons last night would have done something to maybe ingratiate themselves mm-hmm. with people like me yeah. and Bernard. And instead, 
two opportunities, Eminem kneeling, Dr. Dre talking about the police. They, they double down right there in front of millions and millions of people. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how many people picked up to it, but uh, picked up on it. But if you're attuned, yeah, definitely. And uh, the, the worst thing about the halftime show for me is that I, I looked it up and Eminem's 49 years old. So you want to feel ancient uh, at, nine, at, at 49 years old. And as my wife said when he came out, he's like, wait a minute. He's still like three decades later not pulling up his pants? No, like, he's nope, still not. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody has to remind Blige how old she is. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> Put some was... clothes on, Grandma. Yeah. Hey, yeah, just quick no question. Did, did you ever uh, see the movie Eight Mile, Rich Larry? Yes, I yes didn't. No? I did. didn't. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, that, that's uh, – I guess that's refreshing. I'm not sure. Listen, uh, the, the big bombshell over the weekend, which nobody covered, and I think you know what I'm talking about, was John Durham's mm-hmm. court filing, and he filed a court filing alleging, not alleging, but actually documenting the Hillary Clinton campaign spying not only on the Trump campaign, but on the Trump White House, the Trump Trump Tower, et cetera, et cetera, everything that Trump said in the past. I mean, this is a bombshell, and this guy, uh, Jake Sullivan, is up to his neck in it. Jake, Jake Sullivan, Hillary Clinton herself. Uh, what do you make of this bombshell? How far will it go, and uh, is it the bombshell that I'm saying it is? Well, it is a, a rightfully considered a bombshell. It is, as you say, it's just not going to get covered by any, any of the mainstream outlets. They, they just don't care about this. We've talked about it over and over again. This was a major, the whole Russiagate thing, a major distortion of our system, and it deranged our politics for two years and created this conventional wisdom among some people you know, that Trump was a, a Russian asset, and it was people on the other side who were, were abusing their powers. So a lot of people um, on the right have complained about how long it's taken Durham to, to do, do his work. I, I don't know whether that's a legitimate complaint or not, but he, he, it does seem to be bearing fruit slowly but surely. You know, last week, uh, me and Bernie, we were talking about this Ukraine-Russia thing, and we, mo- we both made it very, very clear that uh, who cares? Let them kill each other. Uh, please. We got, we got no problems in the United States on our own border. Can't worry about Ukraine and Russia and certainly can't lose any lives uh, based on their, their battle going on. And yet yesterday, every single Sunday morning show I watch, Face the Nation, all of them except for Chuck, he was off for the Olympics, they were pulling their hair out about what a disaster this can be. And if this really goes down on Wednesday and Russia decides to invade Ukraine, the, the it could be awful for the whole world. So which one is it? Are me and Bernie right? Or are these liberals on Sunday telling us this could be deadly for the whole world? Who's right in this case? Well, both. I don't think we should get in a war over Ukraine. And we're not going to get in a war over Ukraine. It's not that strategically important to us. But I think it's going to – if Putin just rolls in and, I mean – you know, every, every signal seems to be flashing red that he's going to do it. Um, it, it is. It does trespass an important norm that that's kept the peace in Europe since World War II. And you know, he's emboldened to do the next thing. So th- this is bad. But but say next time it's a Baltic country that's actually in NATO, and you have to decide between the destruction of this hugely important alliance and a war with Russia. Right. I, I mean, that's where you it gets extremely dangerous. So I, I think we're right to try to warn him off of it. But it looks like he's going to do it anyway. Yeah. And of course, if uh, it was a Baltic country or, you know, God forbid, uh, Poland or something like that, we should cross that bridge when we come to it. But uh, the Ukraine, I mean, essentially, in my opinion, Ukrainians, the Russians, they've been at it forever. It's like the Sunnis and the Shiites. It's a civil war. They, they're, they're cousins. They've, they've hated each other for years. And uh 
there's no real uh, hardcore national interest in us getting, uh, you know, deep into the weeds over this, in my opinion, Rich Lowry. But you know what? Having given my opinion, I'm going to move on to the next topic, which is uh, the Canadian trucker thing. Now, listen, I'm down with the cause big time. I mean, I think it's disgusting the way they reflexively went after the Canadian truckers as Nazis, racist, insurrectionists, which is patently absurd, ridiculous. Again, I'm down with the cause. But if the same thing should be uh, pulled, say, here in New York City, where you had a big trucker protest and they shut down the city, I would be furious. Yeah. I would be just uh, – and, again, the same thing with the BLM when they shut down in Antifa. I was furious then. I'd be furious with the truckers as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. I think you have to be consistent on this. You know, we're law, we're law and order people. The the cause of the truckers is is righteous. I mean, uh, on the smallest, bore, most narrow thing, this, this mandate they've imposed on them is completely ridiculous. They have to be vaccinated, or, or if you come across the border unvaccinated, you have to quarantine for two weeks, which is a way of saying, you know, you're fired. You can't do your job anymore. And for what, right? I mean, 90% of them are vaccinated. So really, 10% of unvaccinated truckers going across the border is going to do something bad to Canada? It's It's not. It's just it's just this r- ridiculous mindset that's run out of control over this pandemic. And they're also right about the broader restrictions. And, and in response, you've seen loosening in Canada, which is good. But you can't just block a major artery of commerce. I mean, that's hurting Americans, right? It's hurting, it's hurting auto workers. So the, the uh, authorities were, were right to insist on clearing it. And, you know, it looks like there hasn't been that I've seen, you know, any, any violence um, so that's good. So I think the trucker should should basically declare victory and, if not go home, at least take a, back, a step back from confrontation with the police. You know, Rich Lowry, editor of National View, talking about the vaccine. So uh, a lot of these blue cities now, these blue states are coming to the realization they can't win anymore. Whether it's Gavin Newsom in California, Kathy Hochul here in New York, they've uh, lifted these mask mandates, at least in businesses. Uh, they're waiting for the schools here in New York, which is ridiculous and, quite frankly, it's uh, child abuse, but it is what it is. It, it is eventually going to end sometime nearer to the future now than it was before. But yet, at the airport last night, taking my daughter to go to London, I was online on British Airways, and some guy ran over to me because I wasn't wearing a mask because we know the federal government, they're not ready to lift the mask mandate. I'm sure your daughter's like, oh, Dad, not again. No, she did. She got mad. She's like, oh, Daddy, come on. You know, the guy wasn't, wasn't too uh, aggressive, but he was upset. But the point is, who are they listening to? You're going to tell me the CDC at this point? deserves any any respect from anybody especially joe biden in the white house yeah it does and and this is another act of political malpractice by the white house so you had all these democratic governors coordinating getting together talking saying it's time it's time to to lift these school mask mandates and they do it and and by the white house is still in favor of the mandates right so the thing to do would have been to get get out in front of it realize but, 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 that, but can that, i ask you why can i ask you why you think the white house is still doing this even when these these moronic even blue governors have come around i don't know i i just think maybe the reflex is so strong towards this stuff they spent so much time promoting it and defending it and then maybe maybe they're scared you know they do it and there's another surge and and they're, but the the uh, they they should you know a big symbolic not just symbolic you know it would have made it, made a difference to people who find the mass uncomfortable it's just lifted on uh, lifted on air travel you know that'd be a really big symbolic step but they're apparently just not going to do it. Rich Lowry on the Bernie and Sid show. Rich, let's go back to the Super Bowl. You again, uh, you know, you're a savvy sports guy. You have the Brian, Brian excuse me Brian Flores lawsuits out there. 
spent a lot of time on the, this uh, topic yesterday on the pregame show and uh, before the Super Bowl, and they even asked Joe Biden about it during Lester Holt's uh, 90-second interview. But uh, the Rooney Rule, uh, what do you make of this whole uh, lack of black coaches and the Rooney Rule in particular in the NFL? Well, the, the, the Rooney Rule is ridiculous and should be insulting to every black candidate because it, it basically says, you know, if Bill Belichick is, is free and you want to hire him, you still have to pretend to interview, you know, an African-American candidate, you know, as, as a, a, a matter of pretense. And that's just ridiculous. I haven't delved much into the black coaches issue. I just find it hard to believe, given how competitive the NFL is, that if an owner legitimately believes a black coach is, is the best coach, that, that he's not hiring that coach, you know. Right. Uh, so it might be a pipeline problem. You know, it might be there's just not enough candidates coming up through the system. And, you know, maybe they're, they're um, uh, worthy things you can do to kind of pr- promote more black po- coaches coming up and more candidates coming up. But th- this has the makings of, of something that's going to turn into, like, you know, a, a legitimate, um, no kidding, quota on the NFL. Oh, there's no question. Well, listen, you were so good on this show today that uh, we've decided, much like Cooper Cup, which, Lowry, after this performance, you're going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. Let, let, us, let us know how you get there and how it is. <laughs> I get to wear a mask when you get to Kennedy Airport. <laughs> you were great today, Rich. Thank you so right, much. So. Thank you. There he is, folks. He's so good on a Monday morning with me and Bernie, the editor of the National Review, also NBC contributor, political, all that good stuff. Our good buddy, Rich Lowry. We'll come back and close out the 7 a.m. hour here on the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid right after these short messages. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. morning. The Rams, of course, defeated the Bengals 23-20 last night. One quick story. So I mentioned earlier, I took Ava to the airport, me and Danielle. Ava going to see her boyfriend and look at some schools in London over the next 13 days. She'll be back on the 26th. So, um, I don't know. We went to the airport. I was fine. Looking forward to getting home and watching the game and spending time with Danielle and Gabriel. And as soon as I got to the gate where I had to say goodbye to Ava, me and Danielle, we can't go to the gate with her. Bro, in front of like, I don't know, 50 people, I start to cry, but this is like the Ben Stiller something about Mary cry. This is like the <laughs> not with it, the tear kind of what? what? You're a baby. My daughter's going to London, bro. I know, but you play this big tough guy persona. I know I do. I do have muscles. I do have muscles. Yeah, but what do, they, what do they really mean if you're going to sit in a puddle of your own tears? <laughs> I still can't get over the fact my daughter is like going to move to London. Maybe I just. And there she goes off for 13 days and says, Daddy, I love you. And she's coming back, of course, this time. Maybe next time she won't. 
but it was a very emotional for me. Better, anyway. London, better London than Manhattan. Oh, right that's now, true. So. You're right. You're right. Good point, Justin. About halfway through here, lots more to do on this Super Bowl Monday morning. Bad Raiders shooting stars. We are Bernie and Sid. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. There must be some kind of way out of here. Oh, yeah. There's one way out, bro. That's it. That's what we all have. One way out of here. Back here on the Bernie and Sid show. Not to be too dark, but, uh, and that's not racist. By the way, Bernie and Sid show heard everywhere in the 77 WABC app simulcast out on Eastern Long Island. News Talk 107.1 FM. And you can watch us on your smart TVs, on your uh, computers at WABCradio.tv. Happy Valentine's Day, as they say uh, back in my old neighborhood. And also, it's the uh, day after the Super Bowl, Sydney. I told you I had a little uh, little crowd over last night, and I regret it now. I'm, I have a headache. I have heartburn. I'm tired. <laughs> it was a good time, I got to tell you. It was nice, nice people. But, uh, I mean, we, we need this national holiday. The day after the Super Bowl has got to be a national holiday. I'm sure a lot of people in their cars right now are listening on, on the app, and they're like, what the hell did I do last night? Why did why they do that? Totally agree. I think John Katsimatidis will make it a holiday here next year. Let's start with that. Forget about national holiday. Let's make it a WABC radio holiday so next year we can take off Monday morning. Now, unlike you, I kept it very personal. We put Ava on a flight to London. It was just me, my beautiful wife, Danielle. Happy Valentine's Day, Danielle. I love you. And my son, Gabriel, just the three of us. And I loved it. And I, you know, I was looking at Instagram and seeing videos and pictures of all these people with 20 people in their house and 30 people and cookies made out of footballs, rams, and Bengals. And I have to tell you, it looks so awful to me. <laughs> it yeah. looks so awful. I, I shut the lights off in the apartment, watched the halftime show, the three of us, and crawled into bed to watch the second half. The last thing I wanted to do was was talk to people on a Sunday night with a five-day work week ahead of me. No Let's thanks. Socialize. No, oh, no, God. I'm sorry. Oh. No, uh, you, you have lost your gregarious touch, if I may use a $3 word. It's over. You used to be uh, Mr. Bon Vivant, I'm out, uh, people, this, that, the other. Nope. All you want to do is stay home I mean, no, no, with I, your I, family I, no, for the most I, I, part. I'll still do that. Look, we, we, we did go to a very uh, you know hot spot Saturday night to celebrate Valentine's Day. We went to Rosanna Scotto's Fresco Restaurant, and people are dancing, and you got stars there from the Real Housewives. And so that is the type of place, Bunny, that I would do all the time. But you're right. A COVID actually brought me to a place where I figured out that intimacy and quiet and alone time with the family is actually better than being out every night. So I've changed quite a bit because of the COVID. Completely uh, agree. Completely. You, 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 that was the silver lining uh, from the COVID for you. Something that I, I must confess that uh, I've been, you know, I, I've realized that for a long time. And uh, I prefer to spend time with my family and my kids. Then with friends, not that I don't love my friends because I love my friends. He who is without a friend fixes his roof alone. Let's remember that. You need friends. But uh, either way, uh, I like the intimacy of the family and uh, 
staying home. Last night was an outlier for me, but uh, I'll get over it. I'll get over it. Speaking of which, uh, it, it turns out that uh, in L.A., at least, you can only catch COVID in a classroom, but not at, in a luxury box at the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I mean, you had, well, you had LeBron James. You had the same uh, weasel uh, Mayor Garcetti standing there without a mask on for like five minutes. You know, and he wasn't holding his breath because his lips were moving. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they had Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck without yeah. masks in a uh, in a luxury box last night. They showed about six or seven stars. It wasn't a great list, I got to tell you. I did see uh, what's his name, Tracy Morgan. He was there last night with no mask on. So, in fact, I didn't see any celebrity. Now that you bring that up, I didn't see any celebrity wearing a mask at all in Los Angeles no. last night. Uh, the elites, uh, you know, it's a, it's a two tiered. A tale of two countries is what it is. Well, Although Kanye it is West was wearing uh, his stupid he's a full moron. face God, covering. He's a moron. So. But I did tell you, Bernie, that Saturday night, uh, this is the first time I've seen this in years, at the restaurant, my waiter, in fact, almost all of the wait service, I think I saw one busboy and one waiter in a place crowded with employees, and the place was packed with patrons, not one table, was at his restaurant, nobody wearing a mask. Nobody. Beautiful. I love it. And that, uh, you're talking about East 52nd Street, Midtown Manhattan, New York City, not Long Beach. Well, we're, we're, you know, these Democrat politicians, are they looking at the polls. The people are rebelling. The people are pissed off. They're like, enough of this nonsense. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you uh, heard this. Out in L.A., uh, excuse me, Las Vegas, this uh, teacher made an announcement to her class. I believe they were fourth graders. And a lot of these uh, Democrat governors would tell you, Oh, the kids don't mind the mask. It's okay. They don't worry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Listen to this uh, teacher make the announcement to the kids, and you tell me if it matters to the kids. Go ahead, Justin. Starting tomorrow, we don't have to wear masks anymore. <laughs> Is anybody excited? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, back at the Little Rascals when Miss McGillicuddy would bring in some cake. <laughs> they went nuts. But, no, the, the, the bottom line is it just goes to show you these, these kids, they mind it. They hate it. It's disgusting. And, and again, we know uh, studies, everything showing that it's stunted their uh, all kinds of growth, emotional, intellectual, social, just disgusting uh, to see these uh, LeBron James and Benifer, uh, you know, these people rolling around without masks. No no fault of theirs. I mean, I don't know what what policy they would implement, but uh, it's just wrong. It's just completely and totally wrong. So it was good to see that. Now, speaking of the Super Bowl, you had th- that aspect of it. It was a great, great opening ceremony, I thought, uh, on a par with the Arrowhead. Uh, when they had the flyover, the flags, the soldiers. Yeah, it was Mickey, very patriotic. Uh, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning Mickey Guyton did a very good job singing the national anthem. Not Whitney Houston, that'll be done again, but Mickey Guyton was very good last night. And you had no, no, you know, none of the players were acting up, pulling any Colin Kaepernick crap. It was all on the up, and it was great. It was really good. And, of course, then you had the black mark uh, on the Super Bowl, which was the halftime show. And... The uh, most disgusting, cowardly pig in that whole thing, of course, is Roger Goodell. It's not these people. I mean, these people, we know who they are. They are who they are, but it's Roger Goodell for enabling this to to, uh, happen. Agreed. And they showed Jay-Z last night, too, also maskless. And he's a guy that Roger Goodell hired years ago to actually hire the entertainment for halftime. So that was a uh, Jay-Z decision. But, of course, 
as you pointed out last week, and you're right, Bernard, nothing gets passed without Roger Goodell's. It could be like Chad making a decision here, and that's great, but John has to okay it. Same thing with Jay-Z and Roger Goodell. The buck stops with Roger, so you can blame Jay-Z because Jay-Z's a scumbag too. But in the end, Roger Goodell is the most guilty of the group. Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, the show, and I watched it because I wanted to see what they would say or do, so that's why I didn't boycott it. But it was, it was actually, uh, to me, it was boring. It was, uh, you know, I liked Eminem. Because I actually used to be a huge fan. I went to see the movie Eight Mile, believe it or not, in a theater with my friends. But uh, overall, it just it kind of disappointed me. It was, uh, you know, as far as playing good rap music, most of it, I didn't even recognize that stuff. Well, Some of the no, Mary no, J. Blige no, stuff. No, that, that, that's her most famous song she did last night. I disagree with you. Uh, yeah, that, that, her song, of Percolating, that's her most famous song. Yeah, no, no. I, I said she was the exception. I, well, no, I recognize her and Eminem, Eminem right? and that's it. Well, yeah, but you're not, you're not a fan of Dr. Dre. He did his most popular song. So they did do the most popular songs. Look, I don't love that type of music, and I hate them individually. Here's where I disagree with you. I think that I, I actually liked it. I thought the music was good. They did the right songs. They, the dancing was good. The set was good. And at one point, I was actually pretty pumped up until I saw Eminem take a knee. And then I heard Dr. Dre mention something about the police at the very end of the, of the number. But I, at least here, I disagree with you. I think it was actually pretty good. The music was good if you like that type of music. And at least they played the hits. So a guy like me who wouldn't know their other songs, I was like, okay, I know that song. That works for me. No, you had to do the hits, even though even yeah. if they're 25 years old. Right. You have to do. By the way, would you agree with this? Mary J. Blige, uh, honey, you, you're not uh, you're not Helly Berry. <laughs> you're not J-Lo, okay? I, I, Put I some pants agree. on. Why did she do that? Because I guess people are telling her, hey, man, you're gorgeous. Get out there. And, oh, she, uh, yeah, she's got a pretty face. She, you know, uh, yeah, she's not ugly. No, she's got a pretty to, face. But to go out there and try to, you know, to oh. uh, vamp it up oh, and, God, uh, with that outfit. you know, to be Shakira, you're, you're, not, <laughs> that, you're not that. No, you know you're what? not. You're not. So, and plus, uh, you know, it's supposed to be family entertainment. Some of the uh, gyrating and some of the, uh, the, uh, the sexual moves and all that stuff, a little bit much for a, uh, for a family Super Bowl. I would, I would say. No, I, 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 I agree. Say. I agree. And, uh, of course, uh, they, they are so sexual in nature anyway. That whole uh, genre of music is, is all about basically violence, sex, you know, drugs. That's oh, all yeah. the music is. I mean, oh, not, yeah. it's not Marvin Hamlish. No. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, the thing is. It's the, not the, David Frog. There were so many other acts they could have thrown in there, but it was a Jay-Z production. Bill O'Reilly wanted the Doobie Brothers. He wanted the Doobie Brothers. He said it ten times. You could have had the Doobie Brothers. You could have had Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran's got a great song out right now. He is good, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a million things you could have done. Whatever. They opted for that. Quick question to you. From last week, did you ever go to the school board meeting, uh, the viral thing you were supposed to get no, up there? No, they canceled it. It's oh, funny you geez. say that. They canceled it because some guy did go nuts last week on Friday. We played it, and I'm like, that was lame compared to what I was, I was prepared to do. So they canceled it. But we've got another issue with the school. So as we speak, my beautiful wife, Danielle, is at the school right now talking to the board about something else. I'm due to go on Thursday. So uh, that meeting was canceled, but I'm pissed off about something else. I like it. I like it. Keep hope alive. We're going to look for uh, a viral video from Sid Rosenberg, uh, all jacked up, yeah. uh, screaming at these woke tards at this uh, private school. Now, listen, just for something different, this is funny. I think you're going to laugh at this. You, you and I used to interview uh, Ben Shapiro when he was on 77 WABC Absolutely. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We'll talk about how the interviews went on the other side of what I'm going to do here. First of all, for those who don't recall what Ben Shapiro sounds like, uh, essentially it's this. Take a listen. 
And the Pentagon admits it droned innocence on the way out of Afghanistan. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. So that's Ben Shapiro. So uh, this uh, comedian, I believe his name is Kyle Hennigan. What's his name, uh, Justin? Kyle Dunnigan. Kyle Dunnigan. This guy is hilarious. So he does Ben Shapiro, and he does Joe Biden. He does Ben Shapiro here doing his radio show, and Joe Biden calls in to the Ben Shapiro radio show, and the rest is magic. Uh, Turn up your radios, ladies and gentlemen. This is funny. Joe Biden calling into the Ben Shapiro radio show. Hey, look who it is. Better for Shrimpo. It's me, Jaraco Biden. I hear you're a very talented trans am. Okay, I'm confused. You called the Ben Shapiro show. I'm Ben Shapiro. I don't know who Benifer Shrimpo is. Also, I'm not a trans am. That's a car. I'm a human man. Darn right you're a man. Who cares what you're born with? And congratulations. I just signed a Mexican order. So you have, not, 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 uh, a sex in border. You can play hockey with the girls now. Okay, I'm sick of explaining this to everyone. I am fully biologically male. I was born with one set of reproductive organs, and they are fully male. Now on to your point about hockey. Not interested. Look, look. Look, I need your vote. I got a big erection coming up against a bad dude, Donald Duck. He's got no pants, man. Orange legs. If you're referring to the election we just had that you won, you won that. And to be clear, it was not against a cartoon duck. Hey, come on, give me a chance. America needs to heal. That's why we're here. Because blank blank people are just as fat as white girls. Same as transgenders. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. No, I mean that. I was the first college in my family to go to the moon. Look, look, look. Okay, he's falling asleep. What about the end? The punchline, uh, 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 Justin, where you... all right, well, we don't have it. <laughs> okay. oh, I, I, Burn, I thought I didn't think you would want that in there. It was a, just a, a, uh, an imitation at an ad. Uh, well, no, and then he does the uh, Jew hat at the very end, right? Oh, yeah, he does do the Jew hat at the very that end. That was the punchline. Let me, let, me, let me add that to it. I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> but anyway, that was a pretty damn good impression. Yeah, that was good. Both Ben Shapiro and the imbecile in chief, who, good. by the way, at the uh, Super Bowl that we talked about, I mean, he, he actually snapped, believe it or not, at one point to uh, Lester Holt. Lester asked him about, you said, uh, the, you know, inflation was yeah. transitory. Briefly play that, would you please, Justin? Punchline Back in July, not. you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Wise guy. Uh, and I understand that's your job. You, yeah, can't, you can't snap at the uh, no, only black an- broadcast black anchor. Racist. Uh, clearly racist. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then at one point also, he, uh, he actually contradicted himself. He lied on national TV and admitted he lied. Listen to this. What are your plans toward American citizens who are in Ukraine and might be there during an invasion? What scenarios would you put American troops to rescue and get Americans out? There's not. That's a world war. When Americans and Russians start shooting at one another, we're in a very different world than we've ever been in. Not even on behalf of simply evacuating Americans? No. How, how do you do that? How do you even find them? This is not like I'm hoping... That if, in fact, he's foolish enough to go in, he's smart enough not to, in fact, do anything that would negatively impact on American citizens. Have you you told him that? Yes. Yes. You've you've told him that that, Americans would be a line that they can't cross? I I didn't have to tell him that. Oh. I told him that, and then I didn't have to tell him that. Yes, you didn't tell him. Uh, he can't get his story straight, which is why they kept the uh, yep. the interview to ninety seconds, 
on the pregame during the Super Bowl yesterday. It was just, uh, it's brutal. He's brutal, the imbecile in chief, and uh, we're in for a long damn three years is all I can say. Yeah, we are. By the way, uh, Snoop Dogg didn't uh, just show up at halftime, don't forget. This was also nauseating because uh, I watch a lot of the Bravo channel. That's NBC Universal, of course. And they they were promoting day after day after day the stupid Puppy Bowl, which was hosted by uh, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. Right. That unlikely combination. And uh, as you call him, the imbecile in chief, that moron, he had his dog in the Puppy Bowl. So they, they kept showing video time and time again of Joe and Jill Biden with their stupid dog in the Puppy Bowl. Well, I have well, no idea if the dog won or not. I didn't watch it, but that was also tough to swallow. Not just halftime, but the puppy bowl with Snoop Dogg. I used to enjoy the puppy bowl with my kids. I'm glad I missed it yesterday. Yeah, bring it's back gross. the lingerie bowl. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Snoop Dogg is a mutt, so he belongs with uh, dogs, I guess. Martha Stewart should be ashamed of herself. Pepsi should be ashamed. Roger Goodell, of course, the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. But what are you going to do? Nothing. It's America 2022. Uh, right. And they are basking in the glory today of great ratings. People love the game. And really, outside of folks like you and I and maybe Charles Gasparino and uh, Brian Kilmeade, no one's ripping the NFL for what they should be doing this morning. It's a very, very small group that's doing that. Trust me, the NFL is celebrating a huge day yesterday. And that's why they do what they do, because but, they're, the they're, way, un, they're an unstoppable machine. Do we have uh, ratings, numbers yet for them? Not yet, but we'll get them probably later on today, and, and it'll be uh, probably up, you know, 70 million, 80 million, upwards of 100 million. Who knows? We're going to see what happens. Yeah, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Still to come, Lydia reports and beat Bernie on this Super Bowl 56 postgame edition on Bernie and Sid. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. So, guys, I'm going to take us away from the Super Bowl for a little bit and focus on New York City and the crime wave that is sweeping the city. I mean, it is really scary out there. So I put out this video on my Twitter, and it's in Queens, and it happens right there. Um, let me get the address for you. If you look at my Twitter, at Lydia News, L-I-D-I-A, N-E-W-S. It's right there on Cypress Avenue in Ridgewood by Capus Auto. You'll see that a guy, a woman, excuse me, it might be a woman or a man, walking across the street, and that person gets nicked by a car, a white car. And then another car right behind it, a giant SUV, sees, there's no possible way that person could not have seen what happened, then runs over that person as well. And they both just leave. I mean, you see the car go, doom, doom. Like, it jumps over while it crushes the person's body underneath it. So you have that going on. And then Nino's, famous Nino's restaurant on 72nd and 1st Avenue. I know it well. I've met the owner multiple times. He's an Albanian guy. Of course, the best Italian restaurants, right? You joke around. They're always owned by Albanians. He's from Montenegro, which is where my parents are from. Nino Selimai. And by the way, I've only been to that restaurant once, Nino's. And you have one guest who was there with me and Danielle. Who were you there with? John. Correct. John and Margo. That's right. Yes. It's a great restaurant. In the middle of the day yesterday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, as they were getting ready for their Super Bowl party, two guys go in, masked up, and I'm thinking it, it was an inside job because they were literally covered from head to toe. All you could see was the person's eyes. Take, an, take a listen to Nino. He gave an exclusive interview to NBC News. Here's the first part of it, describing what happened. I was praying to God, dear God, just save me because I want to see my wife and my kids again. I was praying for her. That's all. I, I, I didn't care for money or anything else. I came in and uh, we, I went to the kitchen to put the lights on. 
And uh, at that point, I spent like a two minutes in the kitchen checking my refrigeration. When I came out, the guy from nowhere with the com- completely mask, I just could see the eyes with a silver gun pointed at me, cursing F words, lay down, lay down. They tie my hands, and then the guy put the foot on my head, and uh, where is the money, where is the safe? Terrible. So they cleaned him out of about $12,000, and it's just really horrifying. And then what happens in Chinatown, that 35-year-old woman who was followed up six flights of stairs by a career criminal, a guy who had a long rap sheet, violent attacks on people, 25-year-old homeless guy, once again, and he follows her into her apartment and stabs her to death. And, and I mean, this it's just... it. I don't even know what to say anymore. And you know things are bad when I'm stumped of well, what hate, to say. I hate to be repetitive, but it wasn't a white supremacist. Just right. FYI. No, it is. And a she disgusting... was Asian. And she, she was, was Asian. Asian. And yes, mm-hmm. uh, as you say, uh, he followed her up the stairs, all these priors. We have to find out who let this guy out on the streets and name them and shame them. This has got to be the policy from now on. Find out. They, they, those are the people who directly have blood on their hands that allowed this guy out when he shouldn't have been out on the street. And now this woman who only moved to New York City a year ago, mm-hmm. she's dead. She was brutally stabbed to death in her own apartment. It is absolutely horrifying, terrifying. It's just it's mortifying what's what's happening in the city. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, like you think of the 40 year old woman who was pushed on the subway, the Asian woman. At, Michelle Go. And that guy, too. Morning. That guy, too, had a long rap sheet. These homeless people that are mentally ill. And we're just allowing them to decay, to slowly commit suicide on the streets while they wreak havoc. And they're trying to run around and kill people. And because they're so mentally deranged, we are not helping these people by allowing them to just be out on the streets. That's why sometimes getting arrested is the best thing that could ever happen to somebody because then they're forced to get medical attention, to get the help, to get uh, medicine that they need. And there also needs to be follow-up care. Or do, do the time. Uh, the right, least, exactly. Keep, let let the the, uh, the lunatics, the psycho uh, of vagrants, let them do the, what, what they do in a prison to the other prisoners, not to innocent people on the streets of New York City. We have a right to live peacefully. What are we paying all over these taxes for? And the cops, they've been neutered. They, the, I just, I don't, I, I don't even know. So then, Minos Salimai, he says this at the end. And I thought this was very poignant because it is so true. You could tell he kind of stopped himself a little bit or maybe the reporter cut it off because he was about to go. It looks like he kind of went on a rant. But take a listen. How are you doing? I'm doing OK. OK. Just so sad to see what's happening in the greatest city. And they can't find a, a solution. This is uh, uh, so sad to see everybody who is out there. Please see something. Say something. This is the situation because if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. You know, it it is a, a crisis of politicians. It is this is all politically created. I mean, you, so many different factors. It was exacerbated, you know, uh, exponentially by the overreaction to the death of George Floyd, and now it's reached uh, way past crisis proportions. But yeah, what's happening in this city? And then you have the uh, the, the the Biden spokeslady saying. Oh, they're overreacting, overreacting to the perception of crime or whatever the hell she said, dismissing it like it's not real. I mean, tell that uh, the, the poor Asian lady that was stabbed on the sixth floor in her apartment. It really it, it's gross. It's disgusting. And uh, name and shame is the only thing I can think at this point, starting with the legislature, the lenient judges, you know, put them plaster them on the front page of the New York Post and 
I don't know, pull a page from their playbook and let's go to their homes and uh, with bullhorns and start screaming at them. Uh, it's the only thing I can think. Throw, Bernie, throw, they don't, throw blood they don't on ca- their doors. They're they're laughing at us. They're laughing at us. Mayor Garcetti, again, I don't care. See, the, the difference is I don't care if they don't wear masks. It's not about the masks anymore. Mayor Garcetti, he was pictured at the Super Bowl game. I put that up on my Twitter as well. He's not wearing a mask. He has it in his hand. Was he holding his breath? Absolutely not. AOC was also at the Super Bowl indoors, not outdoors, indoors, dancing around. She was like, oh, can Ted Cruz do this? And she's dancing and this and that. They're laughing at us. They think this is funny. They are basically giving the American people that are following the rules that our kids, like my daughter, five years old now, had to go to school. She has to wear the mask. They're giving us the middle finger. And we have woken up. We realize what's going on. Rules for, you know, rules for thee and not for me situation. We realize it. But when are the rest of America, Americans that supposedly voted for Biden, when are they going to wake up and realize that this is about control? This is not about the virus. This is not about our safety. This is about them being able to dominate us. Well, uh, speaking of the awakening, hopefully it's happening now. The tide seems to be turning a bit. You have, uh, you know, as Sid talked about earlier, the Democrat governors saying no more masks, no more mask mandates, uh, no more mandates, period. So they are turning around because they realize, I I think, that there is somewhat of an awakening which will uh, manifest itself uh, come uh, November, hopefully, if there's a God in heaven. Well, everybody who voted Democrat, this is what you get. Not all Democrats are bad. I got some hate for it, Sid, by the way, about our discussion the other day. Remember when we said there are some common sense Democrats out yeah, there? And people were like, oh, Lydia, how could you say that? I said, absolutely. Look at cinema. Look at Mansion. Look at David Patterson. There's Robert Holden out in Queens. There are a lot of good, sensible Democrats uh, out there. That's I'm going to stop you. A lot See? is a big word. There are some. But they're, they have no courage. There they don't have some, the well, if you don't have, if you don't have to stand courage, up and do what's right. Well, but then then you don't have the common sense either. If you're not yeah. courageous, you have no common sense. So I would just argue that word a lot, uh, two words. I would say there are some, there are some, there needs to be a heck of a lot more. Bill Moore, Matt Taibbi, some influential right. guys. Some stuff guys like are that. coming around, sure. Joe but- Rogan. Joe Rogan, well, he but he he never has been a, a liberal. I mean, he was well, he was, kind of was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Yeah, he was. You're right, but then he went and supported Donald Trump. I, look, I mean, what you saw last night, even again, uh, with Eminem kneeling and the the comment from Dr. Dre at the end of the song, and you know, and a perfect opportunity there for for these guys uh, with all the hate to come out and just kind of put it to bed, and they double down on it. So we we are far from a lot of people, Lydia. We're we've got some. Yeah. We need a heck of a lot more. Did you see Eminem got his eyebrows microbladed? <laughs> I didn't notice that, did he? Yes, look at his eyebrows. Look no. at his the picture of him. That's why I think he had his hoodie up. His eyebrows look like they've been drawn in with a Sharpie. He's such a fool. The he, one he, white guy performing and he idiot. kneels. It's like, what do you know of the plight of the black man? Well, You're no, as no, white no, as no. white he, can he be. Do, Shut he up. Does, he, no, he does know that. He grew up basically a black kid in, in Michigan. He basically was a black kid. Well, but... maybe he should kneel and apologize for all the homophobic slurs that he's spewed throughout the decades. I and agree. a hug with Elton John doesn't suffice. If he wa- now he's all self-righteous, mister. Give me a break. Any, any truth to the rumor? Lydia, that you're coming to work today dressed in the same exact outfit as Mary J. Blythe was wearing last night. (laughs) 
You know what I loved about that? See, you know, I'm really, really, really old. Because except for Kendrick Lamar, at first when he was kneeling down, I thought, is that R. Kelly? Then I realized he's in prison <laughs> for yeah. for raping minors. Yeah. But I, I knew every single song. Me too. Because I love hip hop. I do. I love hip hop. I love old school hip hop. Not I don't love hip hop, but I knew every song, which means they did a good job of at least, you know. It was it, great. Uh, you're right. A regular guys like me knew the songs and it was kind of cool, but. They and Mary it. J, she's from the Wyo. She's from Yonkers. No yeah, Bernie banged her. Uh, yeah, she was my, uh, she was was my home girl. girl. Yeah, he used to bang her. Yeah. That's right. No. That's right. And, she, and every every performer there was over the age of 45. It wasn't like some, like, well, is Kendrick Lamar? I forget. Because I, I wasn't, that was the low point in my opinion. But And then also Mary J, she's got the thick thighs. She looked good. She's full figured and she was belting it out. I love Love Mary J. I love her, and my favorite song of hers is "Real Love." Real love. <laughs> Justin didn't have it. I'm searching for a real nice. love. I love yeah. her. Uh, I, I, love, I, I always love Mary J. Blige until Sid uh, disabused me of my love. Well, yeah, you may not love Olivia, week. right? If you go Google her and the police, and you see some of the things she has said in the past, she, let's put it this way: she belonged on stage with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg last well, night. Well. She grew up in the Schlobaum housing project. Bernie, how bad was that housing I know, project? It was horrendous. I mean, I used it to was, drive a taxi. Ooh. I would pick her up there. She'd ride around with me for the night. But uh, it, it is really you one rode of, around with Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Why we am were, I just hearing this? We were homegirls back in home. Home. Are people. you kidding me? Uh, yeah, I'm kidding you. But no, oh. I, was, I was there. I was there though while she lived in the projects. Those projects that I used to pick people up from Schlobaum, one of the worst projects oh, in the my country. God. In oh the country. God. By the way, yesterday on the pregame show, they're like, Mary J. Blige from the Bronx. She might no. have been born in the Bronx, but she grew up in Yonkers. Southwest in, Yonkers. There's in, a big right, difference. Right near Ghetto Square, which is a, 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 a play, Well, maybe it's come, come back somewhat, but it was a disgusting no. place a while ago. Said basically, Schlobaum Housing Project, they should bomb it. Like, there should no, just be a no, bomb. I know. I know it's it's so sad. They, because... would call that, they would call that urban renewal. No, that is rough, I know. Who was uh, a great job, Lydia? That was really, really Bill, great. Bill O'Reilly. Oh, Bill nice. O'Reilly. Bill... And, and Justin, do you got my going out music? I wanted him to play some going, going out, out music, music while I tease it. Come oh, on. Oh, my God. What's going on here? I got to tell you this. I got to play clip of the day. Uh, so uh... Okay, so John Katzvatidis, Cats at Night, 5 o'clock. Bill O'Reilly, it doesn't get any better. No doubt. Lydia Serrano <laughs> on the Bernie and Sid show. This is going out music now. <laughs> we love us some Lydia. Bernie and Sid in the morning, What was that, Sid? I couldn't hear you, bro. Ivan Reitman died. He did uh, Ghostbusters, and he did, uh, believe it or not, I know you hate this guy, but I love private parts. Howard Stern. He Ivan, died? Yeah, Ivan Reitman. Oh, I thought Howard died. No, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Ivan was a great director, 75 years old. He did a bunch of really great uh, great bro, movies. I was there for uh, a lot of the private parts thing. Yes, you were. I was, I was there. Yeah, so, you were. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I got nothing. I mean, you know, the, the latter day Howard Stern uh, is a lot different from the early day latter uh, Howard Stern, I should say. Excuse me. Uh, so rest in peace, Ivan Reitman. I got nothing yeah. against the guy. No, he was he was a great director. A lot more than Ghostbusters. He did a bunch of those comedies, but Bill Murray and and maybe Stripes. I'm not even sure. I think so. But he I did think do he did Stripes. Yeah. I think he did Stripes too. So anyway, God so, bless him. Yeah. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, not to Ivan. But to uh, everybody else out there, Valentine's Day, day after the Super Bowl, we discussed that a lot. We'll discuss it a little bit more. The pregame show was good. The halftime show was horrific. I mean, as far as uh, the performers, but the uh, music, uh, a lot of us old school rap fans, and we recognize some of the music, liked it. Me, I'm an old Eminem fan, uh, Mary J. Blige, whatever. We'll talk about it a little bit more a little bit later. Uh, back to a little bit of politics. This is what they tried uh, last week, said, to run up the flagpole, this uh, New York Times fake news reporter. And believe me, in, in certain circles, she is actually considered very, very credible. New York Times, she's got a book out, and she says that uh, during his tenure in the White House, President Trump used to, well, listen to her in her own words. As I was reporting out this book, um, I learned that staff in the White House residence would periodically find the, the toilet clogged. The engineer would have to come and, and fix it. And what the engineer would find would be wads of, you know, clumped up print, wet printed paper, um, you know, meaning it was not toilet paper. This was this was either notes or some other piece of paper that, you know, he they believe that he had thrown down the toilet. What it could be, Brianna could be anybody's guess. It could be post-its. It could be notes he wrote to himself. It could be other things we don't know. And because she was Maggie Haberman, and it's the New York Times, excuse me, the fake news ran with this last week like it was some big scandal. Patently stupid, absurd, ridiculous that Donald President Trump would go into a bathroom and try to flush paper. Has anybody ever tried to flush paper down a toilet bowl? You can't even flush the paper towels. No might paper. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But they'll run anything up the flagpole if it's got Trump's name in it. It'll fill, a, you know, a three-day news cycle perhaps. But the real bombshell over the weekend, we talked about this earlier, and we talked about it with Rich Lowry. It is a bombshell, but everybody's ignoring it. However, it's not going to go away. This uh, U.S. attorney, John Durham, who we've talked about for a long time, moving at a snail's pace, no doubt, the wheels of justice turning oh so slowly, but... That's because these people were very slick. The Hillary Clinton campaign, very slick, covered their tracks. Turns out in court filings, we found out that the, the Hillary Clinton campaign, actually with the aid of a big tech company, they spied on not only uh, uh, the Trump campaign, on in the Trump White House. They hacked the Trump White House. They hacked Trump Tower, just as President Trump said uh, and and the, some of the details of it, I'll let this Fox News reporter tell you about some of the details because, well, she's a little more articulate than I am right now. Take a listen to her. So a shocking revelation from special counsel John Durham's investigation into the Trump-Russia hoax today. A new legal filing claims Hillary Clinton's campaign paid tech workers to infiltrate Trump Tower and White House servers in an attempt to link the former president to Russia. A portion of that filing reads this, quote, Tech Executive One and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the EOP's DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. So you'd think a story this big would lead the Sunday talk shows, but not one of them mentioned it. 
Not one. one. The major distraction, of course, and that's what it is, is this stupid Ukraine stuff. And But either way, not one mentioned it. We spent three and a half years on Trump-Russia collusion. By the way, where was where was Robert Mueller with all of this nonsense? What the hell, hell what, what were they doing for uh, two years during that stupid uh, uh, <laughs> special a, investigation? What a waste of time that was. And, and not just a waste of time, but Paul, that bastard Paul Manafort, I think he's still in jail. <laughs> uh, he very well may be. I'm not sure. Paul Michael Flynn and Paul Manafort, those guys get hit over the head, and they got nothing done that they wanted to do. Nothing. Well, listen, you know who's uh, up to his neck in this uh, is this guy, Jake Sullivan, yes. who, by the way, seems to be running the military and our foreign policy single-handedly. This guy's, you know what his credentials are? He was never in the military. They're nothing. He, he's got he's got PhDs. He's got masters from these various uh Ivy League colleges, that's it. He's a, he's a lying weasel, and he was one of the architects of this. Uh, right now they have a, an attorney indicted, but uh, uh, this guy, Jake Sullivan, is going to be next. Hillary Clinton knew about it as well. Right. I, tell you, but, I was happy to see Margaret Brennan, though, yesterday, face the nation, take Jake Sullivan to task. Don't ask why I was watching it. Oh, I know why, because I like Jane Pauley. I still like that show. It came on CBS afterwards, and I know she's not exactly a profile of courage either, but she's better than Stephanopoulos. And better than uh, anybody else on NBC, Chuck Todd is off the Olympics. And she did go at Jake Sullivan pretty hard about uh, Ukraine and Russia and asked him more than once, I think two or three times, did you learn anything from Afghanistan where 13 of our people died? That's not really yeah. a question you're going to get on a Sunday morning. And uh, she went at him, I think, two or three times with but, that question. It was pretty good. Good for her. In the wake of a uh, Pentagon report which said that the administration was totally incompetent, they were... They were incoherent on the the whole Afghanistan withdrawal, leading to the deaths of the 13 uh, precious soldiers and Marines of ours. Now, listen, for his part, the president, remember he went on, President Trump went on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl, tried to tell her exactly what that was. Was this when he was alone or with Mike Pence? Because he was on with Pence with Leslie Stahl, remember that? No, he was alone at this point. Alone, okay. But it was right to this topic. Take a listen. The biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my yeah, campaign. There's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, sir. they spied on my campaign and they can got I, caught. I... And she went on, sir, oh, I can't possibly even air you saying this stuff because it's just patently ridiculously false. Turns out she owes him an apology. The nation owes President Trump an apology. It was just disgusting what he went through. He tweeted out yesterday that uh, this particular you know you have a a campaign spying on hacking the white house trump tower the opposition and obama kind of helped out and he covered up for it uh this is worse than watergate and that's what trump said this and that's a trite phrase that's been used for a long time this is definitely worse than watergate uh because what did involve the obama administration finally just to prove to you that uh, hillary clinton was involved in this that same reporter uh, read a tweet of Hillary Clinton's. Just listen to this. I want to um, bring up this 2016 tweet from then-candidate Hillary Clinton. This is uh, the day before the election. She actually is pushing this entire theory. She tweets, computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank the day before the election. So the 2016, the 2020 election was rigged. We know that before, uh, you know, before voting day, and the 2016 was rigged as well. Though Trump won it, and you can see there uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, knee deep in the whole thing. Her and Jake Sullivan, 
The guy got indicted up in uh, Connecticut, but there is more to come. Again, moving at a snail's pace, but moving nonetheless. So uh, remember that, and uh, hopefully the mainstream media will catch on to this sometimes. They can't ignore it forever. It's too big. It's too big on the Bernie and Sid show. A lot more to come on the show, Sidney. Yes, there is, including more Super Bowl talk. Pete Bernie coming up next hour. Your chance at a $100 gift card. Compliments of Pete Morgan and the folks at Peerless Spoilers. Fourth and final hour of the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid is about to come your way. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Jack, Jack, Jack. Who doesn't love Titanic on a Valentine's Day Monday morning here in New York City? The beautiful voice of Celine Dion. As you wrap up hour number three of this Bernie and Sid show, been a great show. Rich Lowry was terrific. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. We have all the Super Bowl stuff. We've covered all of it for you. Still one more hour to go, which includes Beat Bernie, more Super Bowl talk, and more on my shoot FLG magazine out today. Fourth and final hour of Burning and Sin on this Valentine's Day. Coming up next. We are New York. Burning and Sin in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WBC. morning back here on bernie and sid we'll play beat bernie coming up at 9 40 your chance at 100 bucks we've discussed the super bowl an awful lot today we'll continue to do that as well as the big political stories in and around town i did put up a uh, a montage i'm good with montages i got this collageable app you know and uh, i love putting up montages so on my instagram page at rosenberg.sydney at rosenberg.sydney where by the way you can also view my FLG magazine cover and six-page spread and buy the magazine on my Instagram page this morning, which would be very, very cool. I also put up a uh, collage, four pictures of Danielle and me and Danielle for Valentine's Day. One of the pictures was her and I at Rosanna Scotto's restaurant on Saturday. 
One was her at her 40th birthday party back in New York uh, a couple years ago. Uh, one was um, was her and I at another event. And one uh, is her and I on our cruise on our, uh, what do you call that, uh, honeymoon. So I've got a ton of hair, a ton of hair, and I'm a lot skinnier. And we're going on 30 years, June 25th. So folks are remarking, oh, my God, look at Skinny Sid with hair which is much like the picture they've been showing all morning long on the uh, the uh, radio show here, a Bernard with a full head of hair, drinking a Budweiser and smoking a cigarette. Yep, that was me, bro. Keeping it real back yeah. in the day. Yeah, same That's, thing on my, was... uh, my, my Danielle Valentine's Day picture. Full head of hair and skinny as the day is long. Well, you listen, you, you evolve, you morph, and uh, you've changed yourself. You transformed yourself into this... Uh, well, I, I guess I could say a combination of uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and a maybe that. a bald-headed Fabio. How about that? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Joseph Abood wrote something very, very nice. Of course, he dressed me for this magazine shoot, and uh, he, he wrote a whole paragraph. I can't read the whole thing, talking about Sid being a Renaissance man, and as quickly as a punch across the face, he'll also start to cry over something. He's very sensitive, and he wrote a really beautiful, beautiful paragraph. Vicky Press did the story. And then, of course, Michael Goldman was my photographer. He took all the pictures. But uh, he kind of intimated at that, Bernie, that uh, despite the tough guy appearance, and I think you and I are both like that. You and I are both very, very sensitive people. I mean, you've got to be tough every now and then. Even to discuss the topics we discuss, you've got to be tough because you, you can't be wishy-washy. You can't be mealy-mouthed. You're allowed to, I think, give yourself some room. And maybe even look at both sides. I like that. That's the common sense approach that John Katzmatidis talks about. But when you're when you're really opinionated about something, you need to be tough as nails. Yes, you got to be all in, man. If you try to please everybody, you please nobody, and uh, yeah, pull no punches or uh, you know, it's milk toast. Uh, you know, boring nonsense. Yeah, you got to be all in. I believe that as well. You got to be tough, 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 tough. Kick some Heine, bro. That's right, which is what the Rams did last night late and beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 to win Super Bowl 56. The phones are open, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Any topic you want to talk about, the game last night, the halftime show last night, which I'll be tweeting about momentarily. I've not been on Twitter for a long time. I do a lot of Instagram and a lot of Facebook. Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. I kind of gave that up, Bernie, like eight, nine months ago. Right. I'm going back on Twitter today. I'm going back on Twitter today. I've already tweeted the magazine stuff, but my first tweet in terms of actual content is going to be F Snoop Dogg, F Dr. Dre, F Mary J. Blige, slow bomb or not, F Eminem, F, uh, what's his name, uh, Kendrick uh, uh, Lamar. Lamar, F them all, because given the opportunity last night to try to heal, uh, specifically Eminem and Dr. Dre, I took the opportunity to double down, and we know that Snoop Dogg's song is only a couple of months old. So F all of them. I did enjoy the music, but pound for pound, low lives. That's right. I said it. Thank you, Levin. I like that. You know, I tweeted for the first time. Uh, usually I retweet, but uh, somebody sent me this meme. It was hilarious. Uh, and re- remember, Snoop Dogg assassinated uh, Donald Trump. Remember Kathy Griffin holding yep, Trump's yep. head, uh, severed head? Well, somebody sent me a picture, which was uh, a picture of Joe Biden in a bed, kind of nodding off, and, and Mike Lindell from my pillow standing there, holding a pillow, oh smiling. And, say, and, and the caption was, "Make America great again." 
You know, in other words, he's going to use the pillow to smother uh, oh Joe Biden. Oh, my God. So my, my question was, is this worse than what uh, Snoop did? Is, uh, I don't think it is. I don't so, think it is either. No, no. So, I mean, it, even though it looked like it was advocating, you know, killing Joe Biden, I asked the question, uh, and it's not nearly as bad. So uh, that was the, the only thing I tweeted. I thought it was funny. It is very funny. I like that tweet. I'll have to go back and uh, retweet it and like it as well, Bernard. Uh, let's get some of these uh, phone calls here. We haven't done that yet so far today. Let's start on line four. Jeff is in Forest Hills, Queens. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Yeah, you guys brought up Stephanopoulos. I want to punch him right in his face. I can't stand listening to that guy, and I can't stand a lot of these people on the news. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think a lot of people listening right now will agree with me. We can only really listen to you guys and Fox News because everybody else spoon feeds us this, this BS. This morning, this guy, Robert Moses, on five anyway, he's outside with nobody around. He's wearing a mask. Six o'clock in the morning, he's giving some. I, I don't know what that. he's saying. Yeah, he's wearing that. a mask. And, and I like him. Inside, I, I, you don't have a mask. And I like Robert Moses. I know him well. In fact, uh, Bernie, you remember the days when we're still at Madison Square Garden. Anytime the Knicks and or the Rangers would make a big story, they'd be parked outside the garden. And Robert Moses was a guy that got to me every morning about 5 a.m. to put me on locally yeah. on Channel 5. I like that. He's a nice kid. He's a nice guy. But he definitely has to do what uh, Channel 5 and Lou Leone and those folks want him to do. I'm not sure that's Robert Moses. That's probably more of a station rule. What do you think? Uh, you're probably right. He, he's a little bit of a weenie, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a, a dictum, if you will, from uh, from the people at Fox Five NYC. It's so stupid. It's just ridiculous. As everybody's pulling back to be standing out on the street with a mess. It's just laughable. Stop. Just stop. It's laughable. I Come agree. on. I agree. Here's uh, Mike in Queens, Bernard. Michael is on line six this morning. Good morning, Mikey. First of all, there is some teen spirit left in New York City. I was uh, walking through Times Square on Valentine's Day, and it, it looks like almost half the people have a uh, have a heart on. So that's good news. Right? Have a heart on? Heart uh, on. Heart, oh, heart on. on. Oh, okay. Come on. Jeez, Sid, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. we, see, we see what you did there, sir. We see what you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let me ask you, was this Super Bowl fiasco kind of like an homage to keep the, the L.A. gangs at bay? Like, you know, we're going to put up the uh, some of the alumni on, on stage, uh, so please don't burn down the city of the, of the Rams. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Well, if it did, uh, they they ended up burning down the city. They were rioting last night after the game. Yeah. Uh, they, were, they always you know, do that in Los Angeles, always. Animals, take it easy. You won a game. Right. Shut up. Calm down. You should be happy. What do you? What do you? Well, you, you stop burning stuff. To me, that sounds like you're angry. I, I don't. I don't. I never understood that. I never did. Lori is in Harlem. We love her. Line eight. One of our favorites. Lori. Good morning. How are you, sweetheart? Good morning, Skittle. And oh, good morning, yeah. Bird. How are you? Hey, good. How you doing, Lori? Nice to you speak know with you. Skittle comes from Sydney. From last week. <laughs> I know it's funny. You always wanted a candy name. Listen, guys, if I didn't call you any other day, as much as I love you and I love the show, I had to call you today on Valentine's Day. Oh. And sweet. I must say, Very nice. I just wanted to just offer you some love. Didn't want to get into the politics. Burn, I am so happy and so proud of you. And I like the way you're making this work. You're conserving your energy, not taxing yourself traveling into the city and working from home. So you sound so much stronger. God has answered my prayers for you. You're so sweet, Lori. You make it, uh, you know, that's really, thank you. I appreciate that. You, you don't know how much. Thank you very much. Really. I just also want to add, you know, Curtis said, you two guys have radio magic. And he is so true. This show is like one-stop shopping. You hmm. offer everything. 
news, sports, sex, politics, cultural talk. You even offer us emotional support, and you have some of the best music. If you guys didn't have a guest on and it's just you two sitting there, it's the Marconi performance every day. Uh, so you, I love you're the you. Best. God, you're the best. And happy Valentine's Day you to too, you and sweetheart. all your loved ones. You wow. and Lori are the absolute best. Why did you play sex third? I'm just curious. What you say? <laughs> you played sex third. You went to like uh, what were the well, first two? You know, I didn't want it to make it the topic of the yeah. day. But... <laughs> no, you're great. We, we, you really are such a sweetheart, such a great band, and a terrific person. God bless you. Happy Valentine's Day. We truly love you. Thank you, Lori. Good luck, and good luck to Ava in London. Oh my God! Thank you very, very much. My little girl is in the UK as we speak. Here is Charlie in Woodbridge on line four. Good morning, Chuck. No, the other fellow before I was talking, he he talked about that. Uh, Saturday, I got my wife a box with a heart on it. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very nice good. Sleep. There okay. you go. Nicely nice done, Charlie. Thank you. Let's two go to a, a Bobby in Manhattan, Bernard. He's online, too. Wants to talk Donald Trump. Good morning, Bobby. Hi. I remember when this all started with Trump in the beginning in 2016, and an admiral drove from Virginia because he didn't want to go on the phone, and he drove all the way to Trump Plaza and went and got Trump in his office and told him to get out of here. Your whole entire place is bugged. And then the media went after that admiral. We never heard about him no more. You know, I don't even remember that, uh, uh, quite honest with you. But it turns out it was as true as the day is long. And uh, we spent three and a half years investigating the opposite. And it turns out everything they accused President Trump of, uh, they were guilty of themselves. And uh, What difference does it make? Yeah. Well, well, it, it makes question. a lot of difference. They grandma, you know what I'm lock saying? her ass up, <laughs> get yes. her in prison. She's running again. Got no time for prison. She's a Democrat's uh, hope. Here's Alex in California, online one. Good morning, Alex. Well, hi, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to comment about the violent crime situation in New York City. Yeah. I think Bill O'Reilly and some of his contemporaries are going to explain it by saying that fatherless families are producing these violent criminals. Well, I've got I've got a, a point that that disproves that. The Second World War and the Vietnam War created thousands of fatherless families uh, because the fathers never came back from the battlefield. They died on the battlefield. But we never hear stories of how children in Japan and Germany and Vietnam grew up to be uh, basically savages roaming the city looking for people to hunt down and kill and rob. And uh, so I think that you know, there you is know what, an extra. That, that is a very, very fair and accurate point. Very interesting point, yes. actually. So, yeah. so if we remove that excuse, assuming it is an excuse and, and you're right here, Alex, then what's your answer? What's the problem? But what, what I think it is? Yeah. Well, it's controversial if it's okay with you for me to say what I think. Uh, listen, uh, I can't get fired for you saying what you think. You could, but I can't. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, you know, human behavior is due to three things. It's due to self-will. That is your personal choice. And it's due to culture, and it's due to genetics. So I think it's the latter two. It's a combination of culture and genetics. It well, doesn't listen. mean that if you're, you have a genetic tendency to violence that you will be violent because you have self-choice. You have the w- free will. So you could change your culture, and you could be civilized. So that's what I think it is. I well, think l- l- it's listen, but it's not it, genet- genetics. I would throw that out the window. Culture for sure, and the fatherless thing. By the way, Barack Obama said the exact same thing. Fatherless families contributing to this—that's part of the culture. A fatherless family. I mean, the government 
essentially uh, eradicated the uh, black family with their social welfare programs. But it, it is uh, a manifestation of no, no dad in the home. It's clearly that. I mean, you talk about the, yes, they lost fathers in the war, but they had the dads in the first place. The family structure was in place. In the, the cases we see today, it's just chaos. You have a single mom who's like 17, 18, 19, because the government is going to pay her for every kid she has. She has like, uh, you know, five, six, seven kids, whatever the hell it is. Right. There's no there's no underlying structure, support structure. And that is that is why that's the difference between what you're describing, in my humble off the cuff opinion, and you're describing between the uh, dead soldiers and sailors or whatever, and the black family. Uh, It's just chaotic. It's ruinous. It's 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 a manifestation of a bunch of factors, and that is a big one. That's a huge one. Culture as well, where of course uh, the the callous disregard for life and shooting and guns and all that stuff. And, you know, smoking weed at uh, 14 and having sex at 15, all this stuff is glamorized and glorified. It, it, it just, it's just disastrous. And I, I will point this out as well. The majority of young black men, the majority, are good, young, good people, good people. Uh, a disproportionate amount of, uh, I mean, there's a higher percentage, yes, that fall into the category that we were just discussing. But uh, keep in mind that it's not genetics and it's not... Uh, you know, it's not the over. It's not all. It's not the majority of young black men, but it's too many. It's definitely too many, and it is driving the crime problem. We need a contestant right now for Pete Bernie. Comes your way in about twenty minutes. Your chance at one hundred dollar gift card. Compliments of Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers and a WABC Barry House coffee mug. One eight hundred eight four eight WABC. One eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Call in. Your chance to take on the man Bernard McGurk is coming up shortly. Right here on the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. WABC app simulcast out on Eastern Long Island. News Talk 107.1 FM. Also, you can check us out on your smart TVs, your computers at WABCradio.tv. Happy Valentine's Day to my peeps, our peeps out there in uh, Bernie and Sid land. And listen, uh, one of the things, uh, the romantic stories, uh, speaking of Valentine's Day, and Sid, uh, Sid alluded to this last week, but uh, Ron Duguay confirmed it. That he's dating Sarah Palin. 
Isn't that and great? I think I think that's a lovely, lovely, uh, you know, nice love story. I think at this point, <laughs> two single, attractive, older people, and he's such a gentleman. You saw him escorting her into court. Uh, she's suing the New York Times for libel, as she should. And by the way, as I mentioned earlier, I think one of the most ill-treated politicians to come down to Pike in years, uh, ever maybe, with the exception of uh, Donald Trump, in, in, in contemporary terms. Uh, so, But anyway, yes, he's holding the umbrella. Then they were walking down the street. He bought her a rose. Ron Duguay, a friend of both uh, Sydney and myself, and a, a good guy and a romantic guy, apparently, but a nice guy. So... Well, of course he's romantic. He's not Irish. According to Bill O'Reilly this morning, you, your people, uh, Bernie, are incapable, according to Bill O'Reilly, incapable of being romantic. And, and Ronnie Dugues is not Irish, so he's fine. No, no. As a matter of fact, uh, I would say he, what is he, French or something like he's that? He's French-Canadian. Yeah. French-Canadian, He's yeah. Jewish. No, I would agree with uh, Bill O'Reilly. There's a certain uh, chilliness uh, to Irish people in general, but... That's a, a real broad sweep of a brush. It yeah. Just, of course, it doesn't incorporate. Uh, You're not like that. You're a very sweet guy. You're, I mean, you well, send me more you. emojis than my wife does. Thank you. Do it live. Do it live. So no. Bill, Bill O'Reilly may be projecting, but he says he doesn't know any uh, any of his any Irish people who are romantic. But I would say this well, to Bill wait, O'Reilly. Wait, 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 They're not they going to be romantic in your presence. That's the whole deal. Wait till they catch uh, O'Reilly and me on the kiss cam Wednesday night at Madison nah. Square Garden during the Nick game. Yeah, that's funny, man. That's funny right there. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, just uh, briefly here, uh, the Super Bowl yesterday as well. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, they interviewed in the pregame. Uh, Joe Biden, it was very, very short. They omitted so much that was embarrassing, including this cranky old jerk answering a question. Take a listen. Back in July, you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Wise guy. Uh, I understand that's your job. <laughs> well, that's uh, not his well, job. That's funny because Lester Holt is not usually a wise guy with liberals and Democrats. And, and not only, yeah, it's a legit question. I mean, of I, course. I guess he, he expects uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he's a little bit of a racist. Uh, you know, how dare Uh-oh. this black journalist ask me a tough question? Uh-oh. How dare he? And then, of course, uh, he just confused everything. We're about to embark on some stupid escapade out in, uh, you know, Ukraine, Russia. We have no business being there. It's not our business whatsoever. But anyway, this is the idiot that, that's leading this uh, whole endeavor. Listen to this. There's no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. That's the guy, folks. That's the guy that's going to lead us to victory and <laughs> prosperity Aye. and all these good things. And then he was uh, was Biden on Thursday. He was in uh, in uh, Virginia. He couldn't remember this congresswoman. Her name is Abigail Spamberger. He couldn't remember her name. Take a listen to this. It's good to be here at uh, uh, Germana School. Look, health care is part of Abigail, congresswoman, uh, uh, the, your congresswoman's uh, um, background. Couldn't remember the name. Just See, like- but here's my biggest fear. It is clear at this point to both Republicans and fair-minded Democrats. I've heard Democrats complain about Joe Biden. But my fear, Bernard, is this, that they're still going to vote Democrat. So whether it's Pete Buttigieg or Hillary Clinton or Obama Johnson, I don't know. What I want to hear from people is not that, oh, my God, Biden's lost, because we all agree on that. Even Democrats now, it's kind of like Bill de Blasio. It's, wow, 
they're turning me off so much, I would consider voting for Trump. Now, they're not going to say that. I get it. At the risk of being, I should I, you know, the, the community will, 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 will lock them out, I guess. But when I start to hear stuff like that, I'll feel better. Right now, people saying that Biden's lost, isn't that kind of obvious to everybody at this point? Yeah, well, and that's a valid concern, but it's one that's so far away. It's like, I mean, three right. years is You're an right. eternity. Well, it's not but really they... three years. I guess you can make that argument for even November. Uh, well, I was just going to say, that's where they'll vote Republican, is in November, because... Uh, Biden and Trump or whatever won't be on the ballot. And I think it's going to swing that way. I think it's going to swing that way in a big way. If we saw it <laughs> in the last election in Jersey, in Virginia, in Nassau County, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, finally here, I just want to, I'm, I'm hell bent on uh, doing this right. So I'm going to do it again. Uh, this, because uh, it's funny. I think it's funny and uh, it's worth playing. Uh, we used to, and we, we'll talk about, we used to have Ben Shapiro on the show, Sydney and myself. And uh, he was on WABC. As he was the star broadcaster for a while, he's no longer with us. But the interviews didn't go very well. well. He didn't Between he, the, the interviews, <laughs> when, we, when we had Ben Shapiro on, yeah, Sid was like, uh, you know, he, he Ben would be, uh, it's great to be on, and Sid would say, "Do you really mean that? <laughs> Is it really great to be on?" And he goes, "Well, well yeah, uh, well, that's why I'm on because it's really great to be on." I know, but he he, he would just he would just start to talk really quickly. In that voice, which is like a little kid's voice, and he was, right. he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Don't don't, don't get me wrong, but he was like no. Pers- I couldn't get personality out of the guy. If you and no. I can't get personality to somebody, that's bad. That's you, bad. You wanted personality yes. and a little a uh, personal connection, a little bit, and right? he offered neither. Right, and 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 you wouldn't let it go, and. <laughs> Eventually, I believe he said, you know what? I don't want to do this he anymore did. with he this told, guy. I think Dave LaBrosi is like, I don't want to go on with this guy anymore. Right. This guy's a, whatever, that's fine. So anyway, listen, uh, for those not familiar, most of our audience knows what he sounds like. But this is him. This is Ben Shapiro. Listen. And the Pentagon admits it droned innocence on the way out of Afghanistan. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. So he still does a radio show. And this comedian, Kyle Dunnigan, he does Ben Shapiro to a T. And he does a very good Joe Biden, and he put together this skit, which I thought was hilarious. He calls in, Joe Biden calls into the Ben Shapiro show. Turn your radio up. Enjoy this. I think it's very funny. I think you'll find it funny as well. Take a listen to this. Hey, look who it is. Better for Shrimpo. It's me, Jeraco Biden. I hear you're a very talented Trans Am. Okay, I'm confused. You called the Ben Shapiro show. I'm Ben Shapiro. I don't know who Better for Shrimpo is. Also, I'm not a Trans Am. That's a car. I'm a human man. Darn right, you're a man. Who cares what you were born with? And congratulations, I just signed a Mexican order. So you have, not, 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 uh, a sex in border. You can play hockey with the girls now. Okay, I'm sick of explaining this to everyone. I am fully biologically male. I was born with one set of reproductive organs, and they are fully male. Now on to your point about hockey. Not interested. Look, look, look. I need your vote. I got a big erection coming up against a bad dude. Donald Duck. Got no pants, man. What? Orange legs. If you're referring to the election we just had that you won, you won that. And to be clear, it was not against a cartoon duck. Hey, come on. Give me a chance. America needs to heal. That's why we're here. Because blank, blank people are just as fat as white girls. Same as transgenders. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. No, I mean that. I was the first college in my family to go to the moon. Look, look, <laughs> look. Okay, he's falling asleep. There's a lot to unpack here, but before I do, I need to thank our friends at Sherry's Berries. Sherry's Berries. Give the gift of berries dipped in chocolate. It's fun. Jew hat! <laughs> Jew hat! He just, uh, he woke up and he just screams out, Jew hat. Oh, my God. Ay-yay-yay. is right. Yeah, that's hilarious. Kyle Dunnigan, ladies and gentlemen. Kyle Dunnigan. Look, Pete Bernie's coming up. 
now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Alan is in Beacon, New York. For some reason, the graphic says beat Sid. There it is, beat Bernie. Well, it's a big, big game today. This is the uh, Super Bowl, post-Super Bowl edition of Beat Bernie. What are your thoughts, Justin? Um, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Alan, good morning. How are you, pal? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Ready to play today's game? Ready to go? Let's give it a shot. Alan, by the way, is a private aviation worker. Do you work at, like, one of these uh, business airports? Correct. Ah, very nice. Uh, rich people? Uh, yeah. Okay. I used to fly um, with Imus on those uh, G5s or G7s, I forget, out of, uh, to- uh, not Toto, at Teterboro. And uh, our plane was parked right next to bon- uh, John Bon Jovi's plane. And uh, we used to have a, uh, I was going to say we used to have a blast, but it was miserable because Bernie sat in the back and got drunk with Charles and Lou, and I sat up front and played chess with Imus. And it was miserable. <laughs> but But the planes were gorgeous, gorgeous. Correct. All right. Well, listen, good luck to you in today's game. Here's number one. Geologically, New York's Cascals are a part of what mountain chain that stretches from Alabama up into Canada? Uh, the Adirondacks. Wrong. You two-legged back of anthrax. That is incorrect. It is Appalachians. Farsi is the official language of what Middle Eastern country? Farsi. Egypt? Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax. The answer is Iran. In 1992, California became the first state to elect two women to the United States Senate. Name either one of the women elected. Either one. Barbara Boxer. Very good. Very good. The other, Diane Feinstein. In the 1938 American gangster film Angels with Dirty Faces, the character Rocky Sullivan was played by what great actor? James Cagney. Yes. And finally, catching fire here late, the largest amphibious assault in the Pacific theater of World War, which resulted in 12,500 U.S. deaths, took place on what island? Iwo Jima. No, Wrong, you two-legged back of Okinawa. Two out of five is what Allen gets today. Let's welcome the man, Bernard. These, uh, you know, these damn hearing aids are shot. They're officially done. I can't hear a thing. Can't hear one thing. They last about two months, and then what happens is they go in a day. They're the best hearing aids ever, but there's no warning. They're like, they're like right now I can't hear a thing, and my fingers turned all the way up. So anyway, um, Bernard, welcome back. How are you, pal? I could be worse, Sid Rosenberg. How the hell are you? I can't hear you, but I'm doing okay. Three right and you win, okay? Three right and you win. Three right. Okay, go. let's go. Geologically, Bernard, New York's Catskills are a part of what mountain chain? That stretches from Alabama up to, into Canada. Alabama into Canada. It's a mountain chain. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think it's Appalachia. I think it's called the Allegheny Mountains. Yeah. No, Wrong, you yeah. two-legged back of Anthony. Yes, you had it right the first time. They are the, uh, Appalachians. the Appalachians. I knew it was one of the two. Uh, number two, Bernard, Farsi is the official language of what Middle Eastern country? Poland would be the wrong answer. Yeah. It's it's uh, Iran. Yes. Bernard. Very good. Number three in 1992, California became the first state to elect two women to the United States Senate. Give me one of those two. Boxer and Feinstein. Very good. One more. You win today's game, and you're going to get it right here because you love this movie and you love this guy. 
In the 1938 American gangster film Angels with Dirty Faces, the character Rocky Sullivan was played by what great actor? Uh, what do you hear? What do you say, Jerry? James Cagney. That is correct. You've already won today's game. In your attempt to go four out of five, Bernie, the largest amphibious assault in the Pacific theater of World War, which resulted in 12,500 U.S. deaths, took place on what island? Uh, I would have to say not Okinawa. I'd go with Iwo Jima. Wow. Wrong, you two-legged back of That's what he said, and you were right the first time. Twice in this game, you were right the first time. It is Okinawa. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you still won. brutal. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, folks. Check it out. It was yes. a great about uh, just that. Yes. 3-2 your final score today. Bernard, say hello to Allen in uh, Beacon, New York. What's up, my brother Allen? How are you? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. You gave it a good shot there. Uh, you and I seemingly on the same page with the uh, missteps, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, that's that's all right. Hey, uh, best of luck to you. Get well soon. Yes, sir. In the process of doing so. I appreciate that. Beacon, New York. Beacon is up, uh, it's near Poughkeepsie, no? Uh, yeah, about 10 miles south. 10 miles south. So you're like 10 degrees right now, even though in New York City we're we're like, what? What are we, 25? But you're down it's at cold. 10. It is cold. A little he, chilly. Yeah, he's really cold up there, no doubt. But, Alan, thank you for playing today, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. We'll Thank end the you. Game, uh, we'll end the day, I should say, on the phones, as we always do. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Your chance to talk to Bernie and Sid as you wrap up Monday's show is next. Beat Bernie, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. When I was young, I'd listen to the radio, waiting for my favorite songs. When they played, I'd sing along. It made me smile. Those were such happy times, so I tweeted and not so long. This is my first content-driven tweet in quite some time. I'm back. I spelt out the F word. F Snoop. I spelt out the word. F Snoop, Dre, Eminem, and the rest of the cop-hating scumbags who performed at halftime last night. Eminem on a knee. Punk. Roger Goodell's a coward. Shame on the NFL. At Bernie and Sid. And uh, like some jerk, for example, Mike Bolea, down in Miami with some Dolphin player on his Twitter account, goes, racist post reported for Twitter jail. What exactly about my um, post was racist when I included Eminem, who last I checked, is a white guy? When did I mention color, creed, race? All I talked about were people hating on the cops. What's racist about that? You see, when they can't argue with you on substance, they go for the ad hominem attack. Of course. And that is, I've said a million times, playing the race card is the last refuge of a skunk with no argument. And that's what he was uh, doing right there. He's a loser. Mike Bolia on Twitter. Go tell him. Go tell him, folks. Mike Bolia, find this jerk off and tell him. Uh, because if I do get uh, put in jail Twitter, believe me when I tell you, I'll be so excited. It'll, <laughs> it's happened to me before. You know that. I've been in, in Twitter jail twice. Facebook has now erased two or three of my pages. So, you know, I've spent the last couple of months basically putting up pictures of you and I and the guests and me and Danielle and the kids. And if I'm on a movie set or like this magazine deal. And I've stayed away from a lot of the controversial talk. But 
I'm going to get back into it. Uh, I'm not going to allow these people to scare me anymore. And if they want to uh, kick me out or, or, or take, take off my pages or, or whatever they want to do to me, well, what do I care? Put you in jail. Yeah, that's great. You do that time standing on your head. You know what I'm saying? Big I guy. You humming, yo. I did the real stuff, bro. I was eating, hey, you know, the, uh, those awful sandwiches and drinking that orange Kool-Aid at 2 o'clock in the morning with a guy throwing up right next to me. <laughs> and another guy uh, you know, preparing yeah, to, uh, leave, you know. Leave that part out. Jesus All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. It was traumatic. But, yeah, it uh, was very traumatic. We'll just leave it behind. Over. No pun intended. <laughs> so the Super Bowl is over. Another NFL season is over. The Rams are your champs. Second time in Rams history. First time in Los Angeles. The owner of the Rams Super Bowl win came when they were in St. Louis. With Kurt, Kurt Warner. Warner. Yes, very good. See, I know what time. The grocery clerk. I was actually at that game in Atlanta when they held on to beat the Tennessee Titans when uh, Steve McNair, the late great quarterback, threw a pass to Kevin Dyson and Rams linebacker Mike A. Jones tackled Dyson, I'm not kidding, inside the one-yard line and time ran out. And the Rams went on to win it. Now, they went back to the Super Bowl two years after that. Dick Vermeil retired. They had a guy named Mike Martz take over as the coach. And they lost to the Patriots with a rookie quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. <laughs> by the way, Dick Vermeil is going to the Hall of Fame. I know you're a big Philadelphia Eagle fan, Justin. There's a new movie out uh, about Dick Vermeil. I think our friend, he's been on the show many times. What is his name again? He's got the uh, Quaid, Dennis Quaid. Right. He's playing Kurt Warner and I think Dick Vermeil. But Vermeil is uh, going to the Hall of Fame. How about that? How about it? Yeah, a, a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans... Um... Kind of, it's it's bittersweet because they feel like he left a little early, premature. You know, took him to the Super Bowl and they lost, obviously. But a lot of fans felt like uh, they they had another shot at it, and Vermeil kind of abandoned us. Well, he didn't win. He went to one Super Bowl, and that was the Ron Jaworski team that lost to the Raiders and Jim Plunkett. Then he went to St. Louis and they won a Super Bowl. By the way, Bernie, there's a bunch of people on Twitter who actually have, are now tweeting this guy in Miami, Mike Bolea, and they are they are ripping him. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, they should. We have an army, Bernie. We got an army, Bernie. And these, these sons of bees. I mean, uh, you know, this, this playing this race card crap when you try to defend the police is just it's garbage. It's really infuriating. So screw him. Go get him. Go get this guy, Mike Baleo, whoever the hell he is. Go get him. Bastard. Playing the race cards. You know what I'm saying, bro? I hear you humming. You. That was a brilliant tweet. Well, thank you very Good much. Good on you. Thank you. Good on you. I love you. Uh, go and uh, do your thing. I know you got a couple of uh, difficult days ahead of you again, but. Uh, as we've said time and time again, not just me, but the thousands and thousands of people that continue to um, reach out to you, Bernie, and me in an effort to see if you're okay. There is nobody tougher than you, my friend. Nobody. So we'll yeah. talk again, and Appreciate you'll be that. fine. Yep. It's all good, bro. It's all good. Uh, thank you for that, Sid. All the love, and uh, speak to you in a couple of days. All right, man. All the love to you, too. So my best, beautiful family. Okay, Bernie, hang in there, pal. We thank love you, man. You. Same here. All right. That's a great Bernie McGurk. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Crew did a great job today. Hope you enjoyed the game yesterday. From all of us to all of you, till 6 a.m. tomorrow. Peace. Uh-huh.